Hey, girl. Hey. hey. How you doing? Good. Good. Uh, this is Luke. Hey, Luke. Cute little, cute little perrito. <laughs> He's got an underbite and everything. Um, I love it. How have you been? Oh, girl, you know, maintaining the crazies with all this coronavirus bullshit. Are you working still? No, I'm on furlough. Yeah. So what do you do? So that kind of just helped me out really like a bunch because um, they paid me last Friday was my last paycheck. And then um, I signed up for unemployment, but I haven't heard anything from them yet. So um, I did get a pin number, but so I'm just rolling with it, sister. Cause yeah. these vibrations that I feel from all this is ridiculous. I don't yeah. know if you knew, but I'm a feeler of many things and uh it gets crazy when everybody's all in an anxious kerfuffle yeah and that's what we're in right now <laughs> yeah i have to do you avoid social media yeah i've tried to avoid as much social media but then i'm just like fuck it do some tiktoks oh i might am i allowed to cuss yeah you can cuss i know okay. it's I was thinking about that the other day. It's for a nonprofit, but we're also comics. So it's like, we're not a religious organization or anything. Right. Okay. <laughs> cool. I can't not. How have you been? Um, ugh, you know, a roller coaster ride. Um, yeah, I've never spent this much time just alone. You know, ever. Really? Not since you're not alone. You have a dog. Look, I look do at have you a dog. having a dog. I have roommates too, so I'm not like a hundred percent. There's people around, but I have fish. Oh no, fish are pointless. You got to be able. To I just have five of them. No big deal. I can't cuddle, I can't cuddle my fish, even though my grandson wants to all the time. Grandson, that's so weird. Um, why is that weird? No, it was weird for me. I ain't gonna like my age. I found out too. I was like, what? You're my age. It's weird. Um, I'm older than you. Not much. How old are you? I think I am. I'm 42. I'll be 45 on Saturday. You're not that much older. So just a couple of years. No big deal. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm but you can tell with all the yeah. the extra rogue hair that I got. I know. You can't see yours. Shoot. <laughs> I do have them. Um, I'm, I wish I had more. I want to look like, uh, I always forget her damn name. She does the yogurt commercials. Uh, like Activia. she does the Activia commercials. Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, I can't hear you. Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Go on with your Jamie Lee Curtis nips. <laughs> but I'm not gray, damn it. Um, it so, doesn't look horrible. You go on with your shock me, shock me with your deviant behaviors. It's, Have you ever seen um, Empire Records? Yes. Yeah. It's so easy. So when somebody shaves their head, that's what I think of. <laughs> In well, my head. Most people think of Britney Spears, unfortunately. Oh, no, not me. Yeah. I'm the different one. <laughs> I'm more thinking like Sigourney Weaver and Alien. 
Uh, oh my goodness. No. <laughs> uh, uh, no. G.I. Jane, you know, like badass women. Sinead. Sinead O'Connor, sister. Sinead O'Connor. O'Connor. She's a rebellion too. Just rebellious, badass, strong women that shave their head. Not right. cuckoo. Exactly. But uh, everyone so knows Definitely cuckoo. not Britney Spears. <laughs> Everyone's like, you went Britney Spears. <laughs> yeah. So. But you didn't make it public. You weren't like doing it in public. You weren't like, everybody watch me as I shave my head. I mean, no. unless you did and I didn't see it. So no. I, I mean, I posted pictures after, but no, the process, I wasn't intending for it to be this short. And I was hoping I was going to be able to just do around here, but that didn't happen. So I was like, well, fuck it. It looks good, shoot. I had to get rid of the red. Low maintenance. Yeah, no, it's when I showered, I rubbed the loaf loofah on my head. <sighs> so good. Everyone should experience <laughs> it at least once. Just that feeling. It's so and I can't stop touching. Oh, I'm so glad that you get a little just moment of the goodness when you do that. Petting myself all the time, just petting myself. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so <laughs> it's been good. Um, so are you on the festival? You're on the festival, right? I, th I thought I was. If you submitted, you're on it. Uh, if you're in Colorado. Like I submitted it before you were on my show. Yeah. So you should have got an email. I'll check. You should be. I don't remember getting an email. There's several emails. So I'll check. Because there was a one point that I, ha I accidentally deleted everything and had to have people resubmit. So I'll make sure. If not, you okay. are. I just, you know, I'll, I'll make sure. Um, but yeah, that's still going in July, hopefully. Um, uh, I'm excited if we are able to because I'm looking forward to it. Shoot. Yeah, it's going to be great. Four days, all female and non-binary. Just... It's going to be amazing. There's going to rock in the rock in this free world. Ah, hopefully it'll be free by then. <laughs> yes. There's going to be sketch groups. There's going to be improv groups. There's going to be a film. Uh, so it's going to be a lot okay. of fun. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, do we have our date set in stone? No, I, I mean, well, the dates are July 16th through 19th right now, but, um, is the 16th or Friday? That is a Thursday. It's a Thursday through Sunday. So I haven't, okay. I haven't like scheduled anybody yet. I haven't gotten, I just said, I just sent out the emails uh, notifying the people that they got in and now I'm giving them a week to get back and confirm with me that they can still make it. Um, and then I'll, I'll make the official announcements and all that good stuff. Okay, cool. I don't recall getting an email, so um, confirmed. I still want to be in it. Yeah. Uh, I do, however, work on... Uh, I don't have any work schedule right now, Yeah. but that doesn't mean I won't then. Yeah. And I normally am off on Fridays, but I don't know if that's going to change. I get all uh, normally latest seven on Thursdays. So you're going to have to let me know so that I could give it in to yeah. um, my boss and see if they can get me out early or whatever. 
Yeah, it's pretty flexible. Like every year there's always been people that had to change things around and swap people out. And um, there's usually a lot of, most of the comics that are pretty flexible about, and the bulk of the comics are in Denver. So it's not like they got to fly here. Oh, I'm in Fort Collins. So um, yeah, the bulk I'm down, I'm down though. I'm like, yeah. the majority of my stuff is totally, uh, is totally flexible. Like yeah. I love, living in Fort Collins and driving, commuting. Mm -hmm. Rather live here than live there, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. <laughs> I love Denver, even when I wasn't in comedy. Um, yeah. I just love Denver so much. I like it from afar. <laughs> I miss, I miss Broadway and Archer area over by <laughs> Irish Rover and Mutiny. Yeah. <laughs> I know, dude. It's so sad. It's so shitty right now. Like, seriously, it's like, this whole up. thing has flipped people into, like, a different dimension. And they had to board things up down there just to prevent, you know, people from breaking in and stuff just because of the area it's in. Uh, so that was kind of weird to drive down Broadway and see Irish Rover and Mutiny Information Cafe and all those places boarded up. Of course, they have really cool things on their like inspirational things on their boards uh, on their boards i need to go take some pictures of it but uh yeah it was really because i just i just i just go on drives to get out of the house and like i don't get out of my car i just drive around with my dog and look at shit and uh so i was like i wonder what's going on down here and i drove by irish rover and it's got boards and i was like oh my god that's that was terrifying i wish i hadn't seen that I know yeah, why they're doing it. They're going to come back. It's going to be okay, but... Yeah. Like, we're never going to be back the same that we were before, but, I, I mean... I feel like... Everything's going to... Everything's going to reopen. Everything's going to be able to do that, to come back and... I don't think anything's going to get back into a real normal swing of things until after winter. <laughs> Girl, we're in spring. <laughs> Like the end of this year, it's because it's going to come back in the fall. We're going to get a break for summer, and then we're going to have a resurgence in the fall. And I hibernate in the winter anyway. Hey, how are you doing with that whole situation with your car? Did everything work out? I know that you were stranded out there for a bit, oh, and yeah, I remember that no. was like, yeah, I got like it. February, March yeah. time, like right before this whole pandemic. Yeah, no. It, it's fun. Yeah, the car's good. Um, I owe my brother, my oldest brother. It's one of those things like I owe him, but like I might probably never pay him back. But and he knows that. So he's Oh, yeah. <laughs> $1,100 to him isn't that big of a hit, you know? Uh, I mean, that's cool that he helped you out, though. Yeah, he did. Because um, I really didn't know what I was going to do. I mean, I got donations and stuff, but it took a minute like I didn't get that money into my account until after I was back because it just takes time. Uh, it was a whole fucking mess of just days trapped in a Columbia, Missouri motel that had a male misery. Oh my god! It had they had a man for a maid. That's how that's how bad the motel was. 
Hey, men can clean too. I haven't seen a lot of them, but they can. They only I've heard motels where women don't feel safe cleaning. <laughs> Way to pick them. <laughs> it was the cheapest Jeez. one. That was my only option. Dang. I ran out of weed. It was terrible. Three days being trapped in there with no weed. Um, That's horrible. At least I have weed. But look at you surviving. <laughs> Go on with you, girl. I'm invincible. I can survive anything. You're a warrior. Like a I knew it the first time I'm I met you. I'm a cockroach. <laughs> I said warrior, you said cockroach, so whatever. I'm an asshole, and I have a lot of hate in my heart. And it oh, okay. Me oh, okay. Well, that's the thick skin you need to fucking survive misery. <laughs> you should meditate. Let go of some of that anger. I'm like, no. I mean, everybody has their ways. It's my fuel. I meditate on a regular. I ain't even gonna lie. I love anger. I feel the best when I'm mad. I feel invincible. I feel like nothing can stop me and I'm bulletproof when I'm angry. I will talk. Nice. I will talk well, to gangbangers showing me their gun in their waist belt. I've done it in Joliet. Well, you go on with your crazy self. <laughs> these, uh, these like cholo dudes fucked me over fixing my car. I was with my boyfriend at the time in Joliet. Uh, is that Illinois? Yeah. And so, uh, wherever the prison is. And so they just fucked me over. It's a long story, but I was going off on them. Uh, and they were laughing at me. And uh, he showed me his gun. And I was just like, what the fuck are you gonna do with that gun? Shoot me then, I was just like, so like my boyfriend who was very tall just reached through the car and pulled me into it and then drove off. He's like, you're gonna get wow. it shot. But when I'm mad, I don't fucking care. <laughs> well, look at you with your crazy ass stories. I dig it. My ex had, uh, I've had, I've had my, my share of stories, but I've never really like, yeah, no, I'm not even going to lie. I, um, just random acts of story time. Uh, me and my ex went camping with his, one of his, uh, friends and our camp ended up getting, uh, robbed and they took like all of our alcohol. They broke into my car. It was a campsite, like right up the way that they had been drinking with the night before. And I went on a rampage. They took all my alcohol. I was pissed. I was pissed. So I went through and they were uh, juggalos, turns <laughs> out. And they pulled out a gun on my ex and had the gun like straight up on his head. And I was like, y'all do whatever the fuck you got to do, but I'm going to get my alcohol back. So I went in all their tents and started taking, picking out all my alcohol, all my eggs, all my bacon, all my sausage, all my beans. I was like, y'all out of damn mind. You fucked with the wrong person. You are out of damn mind. So I finally got all my alcohol back. And by the end of the night, by the end of the morning, there was this guy with an M16. He pulled it out of his car. I said, I don't know what the fuck you're going to think about doing with that. But if you're not going to fucking help me make my goddamn breakfast, then you wouldn't put that shit back. So we put it back. I went back to my to our freaking campsite. And the vato that fucking pulled out the M16 
brought me more eggs and more beans and OJ and made my breakfast. I'll tell you what, fuck with the fuck with wrong bitch in the morning time. Fuck with my shit. <laughs> oh hell no. Right? But believe me, I had some good breakfast that morning. I showed up did. I showed up did. Fuck those putos. <laughs> I was like, I didn't need no fucking time with your fucking juggalo ass. I will beat you down. Yes. With a shot of whiskey in my hand. Yeah. Bitch. Fuck with my food. I know, fuck my booze, fuck my food, fuck my car. Hell no, I don't give a fuck what you do with the dick. I'm gonna get my shit back. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I'm, Good times. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't even think about it. <laughs> it just happens. <laughs> I just get mad and I say stuff and I do stuff and shit gets done, you know? Um, oh. But. I think that I'm not very intimidating, so no one's really. Scared. Oh, I'm still single, honey. I am so intimidating. Well, yeah. I don't. It's just my face. It's just my face. Like I've been single for so damn long. My homie asked me the other day. He was like, "So I hope you get the D." I was like, uh, <laughs> "It's just a game right now. I ain't gonna get no D. I know this. Shoot." Yeah. No, I'm. I'm so. intimidating in that manner. Um, I don't think I'm. I don't think people see me as life threatening though. Um, oh yeah, people are worried whether or not I have um, a teardrop, and I just cover it up with foundation. So because you're Hispanic, and I'm just like this doughy white lady, and I don't. Yeah, it's because I'm brown, definitely. And I drive a minivan. I I used to drive a minivan, and I don't look scary to people. Um, <laughs> but I feel scary. so. You start yelling at them. <laughs> I feel like I have that resting bitch face. People get scared. I walk down the street, I look at them funny, they're like, damn. I'm like, yeah, don't fuck with me. I have resting bitch face too. Uh I also have resting bitch voice. So people think I'm mad when I'm not. And I'm oh, yeah. like, you're gonna know when I'm mad. Okay. <laughs> Trust me. You'll see the people get all excited because I raise my voice. Oh, yeah. When I talk to people, sometimes they're like, stop yelling at me. I'm like, that is not yelling. That is not yelling. And the fact that you think that it's yelling means that you're not ready for this conversation. No, you're not ready for me. You're, you're too, right. if that scared you, because you're going to make me mad. Mm -hmm. That's inevitable. All right. And uh, if you can't handle me just getting excited about something and being passionate in my speaking. <laughs> exactly. I tell them I'm just passionate. Shoot, I'm just passionate. If you can't enjoy my passion, shoot, you're the wrong one for me. Yeah. Uh -huh. So my brother, my brother, my brother started that. He's like, "You're not a bitch. You're just passionate." <laughs> like, yeah. My cousin calls me like the commercial on the TV. You know how the commercials are much louder than just your regular show. It's like you're just a commercial, Rosa. I'm like, damn straight. You better buy my product, bitch. No. Men, men <laughs> anyway. say they want a woman that is that is strong and is like they hate the passive aggressive shit and they i just wish she just tell me when she's mad and you know and just tell me like it is and then they get that and they're like and then they'd scared scared ah, crazy <laughs> never mind go back to just crossing <laughs> your arms and being passive aggressive i don't oh, like man. aggressive aggressive but, some people's yeah. children i'm probably gonna so, be single forever but but aren't you with somebody now? No. Uh, I, I was dating somebody before uh, we started dating in January. Um, 
I mean, it wasn't like super serious. We were like, you know, monogamous or whatever. And then this quarantine shit happened. Um, I was at his house for a week, house sitting his apartment and his dog while he was out of town. When he came back, I was there for like four days in a row. And normally we, we've never spent that much time together. Um, and it ended very aggressively. Uh, <laughs> okay. That's sure. how I end shit. When my relationships end, they like burn down. Uh, oh. Well, damn. And yelling. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I roasted him a little. And he got whiny about it. And then I went off. Oh, and yeah, they don't like that. I told him he, if it wasn't, I don't even remember what it was. It was such, it was such a benign roasting even I wasn't I don't even remember what it was exactly that it just spiraled real fast like everything was fine we were high we were laughing I roasted him he started whining about it and then I went off and then he went was he off. a comic no god no no that's uh, probably why just kidding I'm just kidding I don't date comics either like I want to um but at the same time that's I probably don't. not a good idea I mean everybody can do their thing i just learned there's a lot of great comedy couples in this town though so many well good for them i know i feel like it could happen um i would love to well, date good a comic. luck with that good luck with that i have some crushes on comics but they don't know i just learned that you don't um You don't shit where you eat. Yeah, that's what I always say. Let me close my window. There. Construction across the way. Yeah, I know, I but I don't eat anywhere else. I have nowhere else to shit. That's how come I decided to just be single. Cause I know, but I like I, just, I like sex and no, I do too. I do too. I ain't even gonna lie. I'm a fiend. And I can't wait. Where is where is this where is this interview going? Like, are we gonna shit. post all this? No, no, no. <laughs> we're gonna get. We're just like getting, you know, getting comfortable, getting to know each other. Okay, I was just like, um, I don't know if I should continue this conversation because I don't know where it's gonna go. Every single one of these that I've done so far has had an element of discussing this topic. Um, and I'm going to cut it out because it doesn't really have anything to do with the point of the okay. podcast, but you know, we're just bullshitting because we're in quarantine. Nice. Okay, cool. I was just wondering. Yeah. No, like, no. I ain't even going to lie. I like the D. I do, but I'm a feeler of many things. Like I was telling you before. And when I feel things, I feel all the funk that they have on them. And then it lingers like a gross little residue. And I don't like that. So I tend to just prefer to handle myself. Yeah. It's been six years, mama. Ooh. I mean, I'd rather- I ain't even tripping. Like- Huh? Like I had like a friend with benefits type situation, but he was um, not giving me enough of the friend part. Like the first time he came over, he came over at like 10. That was fine. That wasn't too late. Um, he That's brought me a flower. call hour. Yeah, he brought me a flower. It was cute. Uh, we hung out a little bit. He did stay the night. He left at like four in the morning when he woke up and uh, we had sex again. Then he left. It was great. It was perfect. But this, but then he tried to come over at midnight 
ain't coming over at midnight. I'll just use my vibrator. Thanks. Uh, you know? Right. I'm about to, midnight? Fuck that. If you're not going to come over and spend some time with me and make an evening of it, get the fuck out of here. I ain't got no time. Right. For um, yeah. Or I'll just, you know, if I was going to do that, I'd just be an escort and make money. <laughs> if I'm just going to have somebody walk in my room and just start fucking and then leave, I'll just make some money on it. Why? Yeah. See, Why like I, I deserve attention. Yeah. And then I get needy and then I want attention and then they don't give me attention. And then I turn into this bitch and they're like, why are you turning out bitchy? I'm like, motherfucker, maybe you should give me some attention. No, and I then they ghost me, or then they stop like talking to me, and I'm like, "Okay, all right, all right, well, shoot." I'm real honest with people about it because um, I need attention, and once I have sex with somebody, my expectations of of that attention go up. Um, so now I just don't have sex with them unless they're giving me the attention I need before. If they're not giving me the attention I need before I have sex with them, I'm not having sex with them. Um, so I'll that probably makes sense. Up, that makes sense. I'll probably Another just end up not having sex anymore. So yeah, that's, a lot that's of where I'm at. Like if I text but you, but I'm a horny ass bitch. I ain't even gonna lie. I'm a horny ass bitch. If I, I am. Text you and you don't text me for like a day, and you've been inside me. <laughs> You're going to get a long ass voicemail. That's what you're going to get. And I'm going to tell you to fuck yourself. <laughs> you're going to um, get your ass blocked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're done. You're never talking to me. Like, again. Seriously. Another thing, another, another thing with that is because I feel so much, sometimes I have uh, spirits like totally invade my space and they tend to do whatever the fuck they want to do sometimes. And if I'm in the middle of having a conversation with the person and then spirit, their family members start coming through and that person's not okay with that, then we ain't going to work out. Like I had this dude that I was talking to, his dad had died. I didn't know that his dad had died of cancer until after his dad had come to me and told me. And the son wasn't ready for that. He wasn't ready to hear about how his dad was wanting to communicate with him Jesus. and uh that relationship ended with the quickness because a, i'm like dude this shit happens to me all the time you can't get mad at me that's a whole nother What's layer. Up? that's a whole nother layer of bullshit yeah so yeah. if they can't handle it then they can't handle me you know, if we're in the middle of fucking and sucking and touching and all of a sudden one of your crazy family members comes through and they talking about something that interrupting me while I'm trying to get off. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. If I need to pull out, pull you out, sage the house real fast, do some Palo Santo, do some prayers, go around, light some Santo candles and you can't handle that then maybe the sage is working, puto. Maybe you shouldn't have been inside me at all. That's like, for insane. real. Like, if you bring in some demons into my house with your crazy-ass, nasty-ass, haven't been around my ass for a little minute, and then all of a sudden you bring some bullshit in, oh, hell no. I will fucking black tourmaline your whole being, get in some selenite, bless the fuck out of you, and get you the fuck out of my house. Yeah. Wow. But see? Yeah. I can't. I can't. I do enough with just my own intrusive thoughts. Uh, 
having to deal with their family's intrusive thoughts. Oh my gosh, dude, there was this one time. I ain't even lying. I ain't even lying. There was this one time I started feeling spirit as soon as I entered this person's house. And I was like, I told you about this. I feel spirit, you know, whatever. And um, it turned out to be his grandfather. Well, then he told me to continue on talking to his grandfather while he went into the other room to see whether or not I, in fact, was talking to his grandfather via a pendulum. I'm like, okay, well, you go ahead and test me then. You go ahead and test me. Well, as soon as he tested me, his grandma came through. His uncle came through. My grandpa came through. A past life homie of his came through. And I'm just like, and you want to fuck then, huh? Now that you tested me, you better give me some more whiskey, bitch. So he did, and we ended up fucking is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, I Girl, I have a whole other level of consciousness that people don't have any idea about until it comes out during. That would be a lot. Whenever. It is a lot. See why I'm still single? Ooh, girl. That'd be too much, man. <laughs> it is too much. I wouldn't be able to deal with that. Uh, so, okay. To get to get to the, now that that's taken care of. To the point. Uh, how do you say your name? Your full name, Rosa. Mariposa. Oh man, I ain't never gonna be able to say it. Rosemary Posa. R- Mary Posa. Rosemary Posa. Yeah. There you go. Rosemary. It rolls off the tongue. If you roll your R's, it's a Rosa Mariposa. I wish I could roll my R's. I'd have better luck it's with okay. the ladies. Ooh. Well, well, shoot. Just hum them a tune. <laughs> um, I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I can't. I, I, I suck at pronouncing all sorts of English words. Um, like golf. Golf. Oh, okay. Golf. golf. Yeah. Or frothing. Um, golf. It's okay. Frothing. Um, and Vietnamese. If I don't think about it, I just say Vietnamese. Um, so I usually just say people from Vietnam. And, uh, you know, they're, they're from <laughs> Vietnam. You mean they're Vietnamese? Yeah, that, that thing. Um, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't say words right. And I'm terrible with names. It's good. You're learning. you asking. But uh, I don't have a very good time with names too, too sometimes. So you're yeah. good. So so we're here, Art of Comedy podcast here. Um, so what I'm doing, you know, about the festival and stuff. Uh, the Art of Comedy is the nonprofit. Uh, we're going to give uh, scholarships to pay for classes for starting with females, and then the LGBTQIA community, um, troubled youth. Um, just to, to teach them comedy and improv to, as a, as a way of therapy to help them with trauma and, um, and, and things like that. Uh, I'd like to work with women in, you know, shelters, uh, domestic abuse, you know, sexual assault. Um, I'd like to work with women in prison would be fun to go into prison. Um, things like that, just to, um, even if they don't, talk about their trauma in their comedy, even if they don't become comedians after that. I think just the process of, uh, you know, of learning comedy 
makes you look at the world in a different way to help you over to help you heal from trauma and just like make new connections in your brain um, yeah. and make you have a different outlook on life. So that's, you know, that's really what, what I want like your take on all of that. Uh, how you feel. I dig it. Female comedian. I feel like comedy is therapy. Like instead of going and I have a joke about it, like instead of going to one guy all shaking in the corner because of all this stuff that we're talking about, freaking him out, we have the audience and they can like relate to certain things and they can laugh and just taking their mind away from things for a little minute, five, 10 minutes is worth it. Yeah. You know, or making somebody laugh because of your shortcomings is awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? I totally use comedy as some type of therapy. How long have you been doing comedy? It'll be nine years in July. Yeah. How'd you get started? I uh, got hit by a truck while I was riding a bike and um, survived that. <laughs> and that's when all this spirituality stuff started and my guides basically, I know this sounds crazy, but these, my guides basically told me that I should do comedy. Was it so, like low point? What's that? Well, did you start at like a low point in your life? Well, my padrino, uh, my godfather had just died and we had buried him next to my father, which was really traumatic for me because it's been like over 30 years since my dad died, but it brought all those feelings to the surface. And then on the way home, we got into this gnarly car accident, but we didn't hit anybody. We just did like 360 on the interstate and then ended up on oncoming traffic and was able to start up my car and turn, flip a bitch and go up the road. No big deal. Um, and then afterwards, I wrote like a song about my car. And then after that, I just started getting channels like of, of spirit telling me, you know, maybe you need to get into making people laugh. So I started writing jokes and they weren't funny at all. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Yeah. And I started this place called Alley Cat here in Fort Collins where they gave, uh, it was an open mic where music open mic and they gave us 20 minutes and that I didn't know the difference of being like music via comedy at the time I had just started right and at the same time I auditioned for the voice because I figured ooh, I'm gonna get myself out there right well I made it into the preliminary rounds of the voice but I had to go to LA in order to finalize my um my audition but I couldn't afford it so I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to do the 20 minutes. And I ended up um, doing music too. So I'd sing like a little ditty, <laughs> which yeah. wasn't comedy at all. <laughs> yeah. at all. And then I found Hodies and I had to like condense the 20 minutes into five minutes. And I was like, oh, okay, let's do this. And then after that's like the rest is history. Like now at I've been doing comedy since July and loving every minute of it. Like even the hard times, even the crap that I got, even like the fact that 
I was listening to crickets. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? When I'm trying to go up there and do my jokes and people don't understand and they're like, is she speaking English? Like, <laughs> what are those things that are coming out of her mouth? Because it doesn't sound like English. So I learned that I live in Whitelandia. Oh, yeah. Call that Fort Collins, Colorado. And <laughs> I uh, just learned how to still find my voice and went to Denver. And uh, as a matter of fact, today is uh, eight years ago today. I opened up for phase on love at the Denver improv and it was just random right place, right time. And uh, I roasted the producer of phase on and I knew from then that this, I needed to do this. Yeah. So just opening up and in front of like 500 people, they don't know me. Just did a little quick little five minute bit and everybody was laughing their ass off, dude. So I've loved it ever since then. It's like the biggest high that you yeah. can get natural. Yeah. See, and that's how I think it can help help people like you're talking about finding your voice um because a lot of times people that have been through traumatic events whether they're abuse or not um they lose their voice they lose themselves they you know into the traumatic event and so just finding your way out of it and finding your voice and being able to hold your head up and look people in the eye and and so i think like even if the people that go through the classes don't ever go to an open mic or don't ever do anything with the comedy they learned that the, just the, the process can help them find their voice again. Yeah. It's a different type of coping mechanism. Yeah. You know, to find the funny out of a situation, you know, like throughout that time, a tree fell on my house. I was like, well, shoot, I didn't get a Christmas tree that year, but I guess the, I guess I did. <laughs> yeah, it was on my roof, but hey, no big deal. Yeah, your whole house is a Christmas so, like, tree. <laughs> I know, right? Who needs lights when it just falls on your, either way. <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy. But it was fun. I mean, another thing is the camaraderie in comedy. Like when I first started, there wasn't a lot of female comedians yeah. um, here in northern Colorado. Um but then when I went to Denver, I'd see some other female comedians and I'm like, oh, okay, so I'm not the only one, shoot. But I am, however, the only brown comedian here in Northern Colorado. Oh yeah? Yeah. So. And I was the token lesbian comedian in Wichita, even though I'm not a lesbian, but I was the closest thing they had to it. <laughs> Cause I like well, to go on, girl, shoot. I do I'm like the fame. I do like to date women, but I'm not a lesbian. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, they. So you're bi, you're bisexual. Pay, pansexual, but. Pansexual. I'm still learning. Yeah, because there's like, there's male, the spectrum, you know, there's male, there's female, and then there's everyone. There's people that fall in the middle. And I kind of fall like more towards the female than the male, but I'm like 70 female, 30 male. And so I, that's. 
it's not always there, but that's just the easiest way to explain it to people. And so it's like, there's people that fall in that spectrum and there's people that fall right in the middle that are non-binary. And so I'm attracted to uh, anyone, everyone, uh, regardless of how they fall. Um, nice. Which I say just means I get, I can get rejected. I get rejected by everyone is what that means. Uh, people are like, think it makes it easier for dating. Um, but it actually makes it much more difficult. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I am attracted to masculinity. Um, as far as like romantic partners that I fall in love with, I fall in love with men or people on the male side of the spectrum. Uh, I don't get like, I love women. I love female comics way more than male comics, but as far as like getting like a, I love you and I want to cuddle and I want to like be a couple. Uh, I don't feel that way about women. At least I never have. I never say never. Uh, I wish I'd love for it. If I could find some, some, some nice lady that would love me and I'd love her and we'd be very happy, I think, but unfortunately it's not a choice <laughs> you can't choose who you fall in love with true no that's true like shoot um i totally would i uh brought up to my daughter one time um she was making snacks for her husband and i was like damn i need somebody to make me snacks with a tray with a drink with a little joint or whatever all ready to go she's like mom you better find you a wife because there ain't no man out there that's gonna do that for you yeah. so i've been i've been thinking about dating women I'd be um, a husband but it all falls back into like the whole feeling things and um finding somebody that will allow me to be myself um in that way without like trying to make me feel like crap because of the fact that I feel these things and there's a bunch of narcissists out there. So, and they wear, you know, pants of many different colors. I feel like women so, are more open to it. I feel like women should uh, be more open to it. I mean, I haven't uh, dated women. I've, I've been with women, but I haven't dated women. Yeah. That's pretty much how I, um, I haven't, uh, I've been thinking about more recently going towards the bisexual ways of being, but yeah. it all comes back to the, my whole spirituality thing. Like if people well, can't, if people I can't say, handle me, then I don't. I say that I'm hetero romantic, which is a term the kids taught me, uh, my kids. So like I'm hetero romantic. So I don't get, I get romantic feelings in heterosexual relationships. Um, Mostly. Not that it's, but I haven't met everybody, you know? So yeah. I would think that your, your feeling and, 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 and all that would be stronger with women because women seem to be more. There are women that don't even believe that this situation occurs with me until they are in the room with me and the symptoms start occurring to show that spirit is present or spirits are contacting me or a vibe is there and people get freaked out people in general it's not just a male female 
I want to hang out with you. Let's cuddle. <laughs> see what you see if you can talk to my dad. That'd be dope. I'm curious. I'm curious what my dad thinks of of me and comedy because he's been dead since 2011. You know, um, if you if you want to hear him, he comes through on your throat chakra. I don't know if you know very much about chakras. No. Um, but from when we've been communicating, I've been feeling like a block on my throat, um, which tells me that there is something wanting to communicate. But right now, because of the fact that. I'm trying to be at peace so that, that way I can have this conversation yeah. um, to eliminate the others from coming through. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. But no, I wouldn't be freaked out by it at all. Uh, I just, I was like super religious in my adult years for a few years. Like I was the treasurer of the women's group and everything like when I do something I commit you know what I mean I don't half-ass shit um and so then when I got out of that I swung real far atheist like obnoxious to militantly atheist and now I'm coming back more into the middle of things um to where I'm I'm you know at least my mind is open to thing to, to contemplating things that I can't you know, explain or have actual evidence personally of. Um, but like anytime that there's like the, the place where we did the festival in, in Wichita is this old uh, theater that everyone swears is haunted and people that can feel spirits, feel spirits there and they see things and they hear things. I was there for two days, pretty much like 18 hours a day. And I didn't feel shit. I didn't hear shit. I was there alone. I was all over the place. I didn't hear things. I didn't feel things. Nothing. Um, you know, so I just... Lucky. Consider yourself lucky. It's not, it's not a fucking... No, it's I not a hating. No, I have enough. I have enough going on with just my own goddamn intrusive thoughts. I can't have other people intruding their thoughts on me. Ugh, sounds exhausting. Oh, yeah, especially if they're dead and they don't even know they're dead. Ooh, girl. Yeah. I can't deal with that. I mean, and I... I've been told that I'm an empath or whatever, because I do, I do, I do connect emotionally with people and I will, I will feel their emotions. I will take it on. That's why like, like when 9-11 happened, I had, I got like for like six weeks, just obsessed about it and just watching it and watching the interviews and watching people. And just, I can, I'm, I can put myself in other people's shoes easier. Like, you know, I can sit there and I will, for some reason, just imagine if I was in the tower, you know, and I will put myself in their position to a point to where I'm crying and I'm upset thinking about how they were feeling and shit like that. So that's enough. That's enough. I don't, that's I don't a lot. to talk to those. It's people. a lot. And you got to learn how to ground when you're feeling that stuff. Like yeah. every time I've gotten out of my house and say like, um, because I hang out with my daughter a lot. My daughter doesn't live with me. And my grandson will go for a drive or whatever. And then I'll just start bawling out of nowhere. Just start bawling uncontrollably. And it's scary right now. Like, I don't, I don't like going into the store. I'll send my kid. But then I'll have her ground afterwards. <laughs> There's so many people dying right now that if you're at the store, the odds that somebody in that store just lost somebody... 
Uh, yeah, that's how yeah. come I told my daughter. I was like, I can't, I can't go in the store. Because then all of a sudden, I'll start hearing Sally's uh, grandfather that just passed. But then you'll feel his aunt because the aunt is there for the grandfather. Yeah. And then you'll feel like the great, great, great grandfather that's been waiting for the grandfather to die. And then it's like this whole, like, once you open the door, it's like the floodgates open. Yeah. So here's me all shaking and it looks like I'm convulsing, but literally it's like, oh, spirits are just coming in. And then they'll start talking to me and then they'll start saying, who are you? And I'm like, bitch, you're invading my space. Yeah. Like, for real? You're going to ask me who I am and why I'm here in your ass? Stop talking to me and we won't have this problem. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> it's a thing. Well, there can't be very many of you. I can only imagine being... See, now this is, I'm putting myself in the place of these spirits, like being the spirit and you, no one can talk. You can't talk, like nobody can hear you, you know, and you finally find someone that can hear you. I'd be up, I'd be all up in your ass if I were a spirit. Dude, it's a trip. And then they'll follow me home. And then all of a sudden I get a roommate and I'm like, bitch, hell no, don't turn on the light in the middle of the fucking night because you ain't paying the goddamn fucking light bill bullshit or turning on my computer in the middle of the night i know you ain't knowing how to work the fucking internet i know you ain't trying to get up on my laptop just because you want to find out where you are look they probably look. want to look at porn <laughs> not on my time shoot <laughs> like this your grandpa's into some weird shit i just need to tell you oh my god the, there is this one time there's happening. so many stories that i can tell you i want to write a book about it actually that's sure. another thing that i want to do with this um whole spirit thing but i feel like comedy is really helping me in order to learn how to like make it funny and i want to be able to put more of my spirituality into my jokes because therefore this whole majority of the time that i've been in comedy i haven't really talked about it as much on stage because it freaks people out um, it's freaked comics out that uh, I have to like bring Sage with me in order to ride in a certain person's car. And if I start feeling shit and I start needing to vomit because your vibe is fucked up, then I need to bust out the fucking Sage and the Palo Santo in order for me to continue to sit in your car. That's how come I don't drive with very many people and I end up driving my damn self because there's a lot of people that don't understand the amount of funk that they have on them. And that's fine. That's not for me to judge. You go on out with your funky ways. I, like I just to, don't have to sit with it. I like to drive with myself. I mean, kind of for the, I mean, for a much, kind of for the same reason, like whatever, if I'm in a good mood and then I'm riding with somebody that's not in a good mood, it ruins my mood. I can't just, ignore the fact that I feel and they can say they're fine but I can feel it I can tell that you're not fine and you know uh if especially if they won't talk about it and then it's like I just feel it and you feel it but we're gonna ignore it you know I that's why I just yeah I don't really like traveling with other people um at all that's why I'm afraid I'm never I, I can't even cohabitate with other people um for that reason but you are look at you cohabitating with all your roommates yeah i've been an empty nester for like five years i got real lucky my roommates are super chill like uh that's awesome yeah no it's 
like, cause I've heard some serious like roommate nightmares and this is probably the first time I've really had roommates. I mean, I have my kids and then I had like romantic partners. I've had friends stay with me. And like, I had one friend that was my roommate on and off a little bit, but she was my friend for years first, you know? And so this is my first experience with real roommates and it's been fine. Like it's great. Like it's no problem. Uh, I know. And it's cheap. It's a great, it's a great situation. I got real lucky. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's cool. And they were told me the other night that I, uh, when I first moved in, cause I was hardly ever here that they didn't see me for a couple of days, but my car was here, but I was just so quiet that they were afraid. Like she was afraid maybe I like offed myself. Cause she, she was like, man, did I let this chick move in that she killed herself? You know? Um, cause, <laughs> cause I was so quiet. I mean, it's funny, but still shoot. <laughs> Anybody describing me as quiet is what's funny. Uh, but I'm quiet at home. Like when I'm by myself, I just watch TV and yeah, I keep to myself at home, but that's what home's for, for me. It's a place to recharge because uh, the world is uh, an emotional vampire as, uh, as uh, that song says, there's a song, but, um, Yeah, so like I, I I can only spend time around like in social settings. Even doing these, like I did I did two of them yesterday and I'm doing two of them today. After this is over, I'm gonna be real fine with talking to people. I'm like I I'm gonna be satisfied to just watch TV and be alone. You know what I mean? It, oh, yeah. yeah, it I I I invest in people that I talk to. I think in a level that most people don't. I I I don't like chit chat. I don't like talking about the weather. I want to hear, you know, I want to hear the good and bad of your life. Like tell me your story. You know what I mean? I oh, yeah. I don't like surface level conversations. So it's exhausting. It, it really cuz yeah, cuz I feel I feel their feelings when they're telling me things. I feel it and like you know, if they're telling me about like their breakup and they start crying, I might start crying because I just, you know, I feel it. So yeah, deeply. that's the empath in you. Yeah. The, the, the give a shitter. Your yeah. give a shitter's not broke. <laughs> no, it's not. I have gotten a lot better at being able to um, quickly decide whether or not someone's worth investing that kind of emotional energy in, um, whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship or an employer uh, you know, um, yeah, I'm pretty quick at, at being like, you're not worth, you're not worth the emotional energy that you're going to require. So I'm out. Yeah. Peace. Really like I simplify it by saying this isn't fun anymore. So I'm leaving. Um, that's kind of my, that makes sense. That's perfectly okay. Like been my I think it's healthy since my kids are grown since like lap for the last year or so I've just been like, this isn't fun anymore. I'm leaving. Um, trust the universe. I've just been trying to like, cause I'm a pretty anxious person. I've been trying to be better about just, just being like focusing on things I can control and like, and like leaving the rest up to the universe to decide and that the universe is going to provide me uh, what I need when I need it and the experiences I need when I need it. And if I'm meant to find the one or a lo- another love of my life that I'm going to be with for years, it's going to happen. Um, 
you know, as long as I'm open, as long as you're open to the experiences, the experiences can happen to you. So I'm open to whatever the universe thinks I need. Um, Same. This has not been a completely fruitless endeavor having to sit here. I mean, I finally am starting to gain my footing finally after three weeks. It was a little, I just didn't even know what to do when comedy went away because it's my whole fucking life for like a year. Um, and I've, how long have you been doing comedy? Four years. Um, but the last, it's fun. no, it's, it's amazing. It's completely changed my life. And for the last year, since my kids, since I got done growing, growing my children and they don't need me on a daily basis to care for them. Um, and then I got divorced and I quit my day job and then I moved here and shit. Comedy is like all I've had. And then it got taken away. And then I was like, I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, and so I finally have, you know, gotten some footing to where I'm at least kind of productive during the day sometimes. And not, I just had like a whole week where I just, I just laid there and watched TV. I mean, I showered and ate, but I didn't, I didn't do anything. I got off Facebook for a couple of days so that I wasn't posting stupid shit scaring people and upsetting them uh but yeah i take breaks from facebook um i'll just delete the app uh off my phone for a day or two when i when things just start getting too intense for me um and yeah that makes sense yeah because it's it's not just the what i'm reading from other people but if i'm not in the right mood and someone pisses me off i'll just flip out on them you know (laughs) So when's your birthday? You sound like a. What do you think I am? Error. Huh? What do you think I am? Um, what do you fucking forget about it over years? I'm a, so I'm a Sagittarius. I'm I was going to say November, either air or fire. November 24th. Um, oh, okay. Okay. I'm a Sagittarius. Um, I did just start like doing like tarot cards and shit. Um, oh, yeah. I read tarot. Yeah, I've been trying to. I've been reading, I have a deck that, um, I was going to go buy I had a deck that sucked and I was going to go buy one. And then one of my, I think it was one of my roommates, boyfriends or something. Somebody left the deck here a long time ago and mm-hmm. I really like them. Um, Did you bless them before you started reading them? Because I don't know if you know, but if you are using somebody else's deck, you are hanging up their energies. Uh-huh. I don't know how to bless yeah, your own deck. So you bless them with uh, Sage and Palo Santo. I just, I, just felt like, the, I felt a connection to the deck. Like when I did they it. have a read? Did they give you a reading with it? No, I don't even know who this person is. Whoever left them behind. It's been a long time. Well, maybe it was because you were supposed to use them, but you still can clear them. So they've been reading pretty well for me. They've been that's pretty, great. They've been really accurate. I've been listening to them when it comes to romantic relationships. I will read. I will do a romantic uh, reading, a love reading, like a simple one with like the three cards, and then, and then I, and then I don't like immediately be like the tarot card says we're not going to work out, so goodbye. But ah. that makes me start like, and then like things that start happening and things they're saying and doing, I'm like, ah, they're right. I'm leaving. Um, yeah, that's good. I mean, I'm glad that you have availability to, to use them and it sounds 
like it's going well with I them. I used to read I just them and then it looked out. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, because not often does that happen. The universe brought me those tarot cards. No, the tarot cards brought you the tarot cards. I'm saying, like, I felt it when I held them. Like, this is good. I didn't well, feel good. The need that I needed to bless them or change anything. So I usually have them on me when I like in my normal day to day, they're in my backpack. Uh, yeah, I keep them with me usually. Well, I dig that. I have a couple pair of tarot cards too, <clears throat> but ever since I got hit with the truck, I no longer need the cards. If that makes sense. Yeah. No. So, um, but I do use them still. So did that you, way, did you almost die when you got hit by the truck? Oh yeah, I saw my life flash before my eyes. Like literally, I saw like my life. Yeah. Within the time frame in which I flew over the handlebars. Yeah, I, I almost died after I had my last kid because I got an infection and all my organs shut down. Um, I did not see my life flash before my eyes. Uh, I went to black and then awake and black and then awake. Um, but that's how I got out of religion was cause I was, I was, I was, uh, my only thought when I was dying was being terrified that I was going to go to hell. I didn't think about my life. I didn't think about my newborn baby or my husband or my other kids, three kids sleeping in the other room. I was just like, am I going to heaven or hell? It was my only thought. And so oh. I, I was mad because I'd been a good Christian for like three years and had been rebaptized and had really devoted my life to it. And I didn't listen to music that wasn't Christian. I didn't watch movies that were over PG because I didn't want to let the devil in my heart. You know, I just, uh, I, I tithed my 10% and I went to church and I volunteered and I, I did everything I was supposed to do. Uh, I read the Bible. I, I lived by it as, as well as I could with an idiot husband. That was really, I couldn't really let him be, the head of the household that the, that the, the, the Bible says he's supposed to be cause he's an idiot and we'd have been homeless. Um, <laughs> but I, I got as close to it as I could without, you know, serious ramifications. And, and I would, I wouldn't, I didn't get any peace. I didn't get any, you know, I would have died terrified and that pissed me off. And so that kind of is what led me out of all of that. Um, and really since I've been doing, since I started comedy, I'm less, less afraid to die because, uh, when I used to like think about dying, like if I got too high on the wrong weed and I'd get all freaked out, you know, um, I would just always feel like I can't die. I haven't done anything yet. I haven't done anything. I haven't lived yet. I, I can't die. Even though I had four kids and all that, I was like, I just haven't done anything yet. And now I feel like I have, you know, that's I, awesome. I at least tried to live if I die now. Um, so I'm not afraid to die since I started comedy. So that's a bonus. Yeah. But comedy um, is a, you know, it's an art form. That's why there's the art of comedy. Um, and everybody has their own process, their own way that they do their art. Um, and there's so many, so many benefits to it of just, there's just so many benefits to it that I really want to bring to more people. 
not just as an audience member, there's a lot of benefits to, to doing comedy or just that anybody can, anybody can really benefit from doing a comedy class. Um, no, I agree. You're not going to be a comedian just to get, it just makes your brain think different. It does. It takes a minute to like uh, train your brain to go into that realm if you're not used to it, but it's fun. Yeah. Like once you learn how to like, how to make the premise and then it's like uh, the boom, boom, ch. so the ch is the punchline. Yeah. And it doesn't always work like that, <clears throat> like, but it's a chemistry. I dig it. Thanks for sharing your story with me. It's uh, it's totally a trip to hear like the different uh, ways that people came across like spirituality and their religious ways of being, um, especially after a traumatic situation or a <clears throat> traumatic event that occurred in their life. Uh, when my dad died was when I decided that I needed to look beyond what it is that we, I was being taught. I was born and raised Catholic. My mom <clears throat> took us to a Catholic uh, school and we had to go to church at the beginning of school and then after school sometimes. And um, I went to a Catholic uh, school and in third grade, my mom wanted me to become a nun and I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> no. And then after my dad died, when I was, um, it was actually a week after my 14th birthday, uh, I decided that uh, if God was so amazing, the way that he was taught to us to believe that he was, he was, um, why the fuck did he take my dad away? Yeah. And uh I started looking at other things. I started asking questions. I started asking, you know, um, things that, that didn't make sense. And uh, the answer was always, you have to have faith. And I'm like, oh, hell no, I don't have to have faith. I don't have to have faith the way that you guys decide for me to have faith because what you guys are teaching to me aren't answering my questions. Works so, in mysterious ways. Yeah, but so is magic. My, so, um, my older brother lost his, uh, he had a daughter when he was, I think she was, he was 18 when she was born and then he was 20 or 21. She was less than two when he died, when she died. Um, like out of nowhere, they called it SIDS. They have no explanation. They just woke up one day and she was gone. And so, um, he told my mother, like, if God is real, fuck him, you know, like, fuck him. I don't want anything to do with him. He's an asshole. So either he's not real or he's an asshole, but I don't want nothing to do with it either way. And that's, and so he doesn't have anything to do with any of it, but. I believe that there's a higher power. I believe that we are all connected and we all have God within us, but that's not taught. No. That's only taught that the priests are able to speak to God. And um, that's not true. I was raised so, Pentecostal. So um, we can talk to God and uh, speak in tongues and God talks through us that way. But uh, I don't, it's not even that I don't necessarily not believe in God anymore. I don't believe in organized religion or 
I don't believe in any version of God that anyone is teaching in an organized religion situation. I don't believe in the Bible as a literal text. Um, Oh, definitely not. Like I took theology classes because I had to, it was a requirement in the school that I was attending, but (laughs) there ain't no way that I believe that um, these men all came together to write a fucking book about a man that they didn't even know about. Yeah. Or so I see it as theology and uh, not theology. Yeah, I see it as liter- literature, just yeah, like the Odyssey, just like yeah, the same way as any other book about Zeus or any of those things. Right. Um, it's just, it was just the way that humans with their limited knowledge were explaining the world at that time. That's all it is. They, they didn't have, they didn't know science. They didn't know how their own bodies worked. So it was just... They wanted to, to control the masses. That's how it ended so when up. They yeah. decided that, okay, we're going to have this story. And I don't know if you knew or have uh, tried to uh, research any other religions like oh, yeah. uh, Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, Judaism. Yeah. Uh, like the majority of their... Even... even uh, what is it called? Gosh, there's so many religions that are so similar to each other. Yeah. It's just a different name and it's just a different context. And I decided that if this story is all the same and, and you guys are saying that yours is the one true religion, then y'all can have it. I, I, don't, I don't need it. I don't, I don't need I also find it hard that with billions of people in the world and everyone's different personalities, there's only one right way. You know, there's very few things that there's one right way for anyone to do it. You know, well, that's just it. And then after getting hit by the truck and then after feeling and seeing spirit and knowing that past lives exist and knowing that I can see angels and spirit guides and pets that have passed. Oh, man. I know that it's not what they have perceived it to be. Like, you even think about animals. Oh, yeah, girl. It's a trip. Man. It's a trip. I didn't think about that. That would, that would probably fuck me up more than you connecting with my father would be my dog Leia because she died in August and it actually was more painful and hard for me to get over than my father but my dad was like sick for a decade there was no shock to it when he died it was totally expected and I was a grown adult it wasn't like I was a child so but when my dog died it was she got hit by a car one Monday morning out of nowhere and she was like a piece of me she was like she was, she was a little dog me and she was just part of my, you know, soul. And so it was, it was like losing a piece of me when she died. And I never, I didn't even know people could do that. (laughs) Well, just so you're aware, I'm like totally tearing up over here. Um, She's still with you. Yeah. And you get to feel her actually. Um, jumping on your bed, uh, she'll like flick on your nose sometimes when you're like, "Oh, girl, 
Aw, I'm sorry. No, it, this is the shit that happens to me. Yeah. I know. Just so you know, she's I still there. Sleep. And she does. She'll jump on your bed and you'll feel her. Come on. Yeah, because she So always, you know, that's her always, little it, way of. She laid behind my legs when I would sleep. And yeah. You'll feel her. Yeah, she You'll is. feel her. Oh, shit. With me. <laughs> she's not very far away from you. Yeah, no, I don't think she ever is. She never was. Not in life. So. And now I have well, Luke. shoot. I have Luke, her brother. Uh, we got Luke after Leia, Luke and Leia. And uh, oh, he sees her. Oh, he does. Yeah, I know he does. Uh, he really, he really loved her. He really missed her. They were a little. They were such a great little little couple. But yeah. not, he really needs another dog. He does not like being alone. Um, she didn't mind being the only dog, but he, he really, he's a beta. He's a follower. He has no one to follow, you know, he has no other dog <laughs> telling him what to do. He needs another dog to tell him what to do all the time. But yeah. Well, shoot. <laughs> I feel like, um, you're blessed and it's good to, Ooh, I didn't mean for this to have a little moment of like a reading, but apparently that's where it went. Um, yeah, see, I can't stop it. It's like something that happens on its own terms. Yeah. And I'm just a vessel and I'm just a feeler. And I'm not trying to like poo poo it, but it really takes a lot out of me sometimes. Yeah. I can, so, I mean, I can imagine just with my, my ability to just pick up on people's emotions that they're feeling, you know, to pick up to pick up their emotions plus like other people like spirits emotions on top of all that would be it'd be exhausting i don't i i'd probably never be able to go anywhere oh you froze there you are i'm here i'm here i know it can't, it went off for a second are you there yeah okay but uh yeah it's crazy cool <laughs> be an well, on interesting <laughs> fucking podcast you know i i everything i want to talk about is in there you know we've discussed it but yeah it's a whole nother take on it that i've never even uh never even thought about i've never really met anybody i mean i've seen them on tv and stuff but i've never really met anybody that has that ability to the level you're talking about. I mean, I've seen, I've met people that say they feel spirits and stuff, but just like when they go into a building or, you know, whatever. But, um, but I've never, I've never met anybody that feels that seems to be doing it at the level you do. It's a trip. Nice to meet you. <laughs> is there any, like, is there any way for you to stop it? Like, is there any, have you learned some coping mechanisms to? I've learned filters. Like, um, like if a spirit wants to talk to me and they have a really gnarly energy and they're really like intense um, on my being and they really want to speak with me, I call in the violent flame of transmutation, which is uh, St. Germain. And uh, what that is, is this flame uh, which allows the communication to come through only with love and light. Yeah. So 
I I don't know why I'm um it's like uh a veil in between me and that spirit and I'll allow the conversation but I choose not to feel the funkiness that they are bringing towards me like for instance uh, so my daughter's sperm donor guys dad died <laughs> um when she was nine and uh he started coming a lot to the house and uh i didn't have this gift then i didn't have this gift until actually it coincided with the whole getting hit by the truck yeah um but what he does is he, spirits travel they don't stay in one place once they know that they are spirit. They have the availability to, like, just with a thought, go into another um, person's house or to another family member's place where they're at. And um, so what he would do is he would go and visit his son, and then he'd come back. And all the funk that his son had around him, he brought back with him. So instead of uh, just having, like, a peaceful, hey – how was your visit kind of a thing. It was like being attacked by all the funky vibes that he brought back with him. So sometimes I'll just clear him and say, get the fuck away. I don't need your ass around me. Or I'll be like, okay, what do you have to say? You can only speak through this veil. It's like this intercom, like this wall that I put up. Yeah. Talk to me, but I don't want to feel your funk. Yeah. So, and <clears throat> I had to learn how to do that. Because it's not something I didn't get like a how to be a spiritual person, Cliff's Notes Guide to the Galaxy, yeah. you know, when when this all started. And there's, it there's just, probably not like a lot of you to share these experiences, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, support groups or anything. Mm -mm. Most people probably just think you're crazy, right. Like that's how come I kept it away from like the comedy world a lot like as soon as it started like I had to I had to force myself to go to comedy because I was able to like not feel it like for the five minutes that I was on stage but afterwards I'd feel all the co the comics I'd feel all the audience members I'd feel the whole environment that I was in I can't even imagine the funk with a bunch of comedians. Dude, it was gnarly. I mean, it still is, yeah. but I had to put these prayers on my uh, joke book. So that way, if I went to a bar and I instantaneously felt drunk, even though I didn't have any drinks, I would go back to my car. I would say these prayers. I would ground out. I would call in my guides. I would call in the archangels. I would call in the violet flame of transmutation. And then I would be okay to go back into the bar and then do my set and then deal with all the bullshit the comics were bringing or the audience members were bringing. And then sometimes I'd have to go to my car like three, four times to clear it out and then come back. People just probably think you're going out there to get high. Well, I mean, at that point I was smoking <laughs> cigarettes, but since then I've quit. I've quit smoking cigarettes. Yay. So. Yay. When did you quit that? What's up? When did you quit smoking? uh last year january 10th good it's a big thing that killed my dad cigarettes yeah he had cancer oh uh, he had well we don't know if he had cancer he had diabetes he had congestive heart failure he had 
all sorts of problems. I'm he sure didn't have a COPD. He had COPD. Yeah. He, but if it had, if it had gone to cancer, it wasn't diagnosed before he died of other things. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure. I see. So when I see, uh, ailments, it looks like sometimes it'll show me like an organ. Sometimes it'll show me energies around an organ. Sometimes it'll show me a face. Sometimes it'll show me like just a vibration. So what I saw was lungs, but there was like this mass on uh, the right side of his lung, which is weird. And, and I don't, I don't know how to explain it other than. Yeah. They didn't do like an autopsy or anything. So who knows what was in there? Um, cause they were just battling cause he had congestive heart failure and he get a lot of fluid in his body that would build up. Um, and then he had a stroke, which did deal, was his right side. So maybe that was it. He had a stroke and it was, it was his right side that was completely useless when he that's a trip and he never came back from the stroke uh he just he just yeah he just died after that like after a week or so in the hospital but yeah so but you but you weren't like i mean yes he was your dad but you didn't have like the strongest of relationships i mean i was a daddy's girl but yeah he he uh he wasn't around a lot did you guys up. have a lot of arguments closer to the end? I didn't have um, arguments with him. My parents argued and I was in the middle of it. Okay. Um, so he did a lot of complaining about my mother to me. And then I would defend my mother and then my mother would complain about him. And then I would defend my father like the last six months or so of, of his life. So wait a second. He wasn't able to really talk about like the last six months about things that he wanted to get off his chest. Oh, no, no. I mean, he and did. He, we had one. And that's how come I wonder why it's probably because of, okay, so the throat chakra is the chakra of communication. My dad was not good at talking about, well, none, neither of my parents are good at talking about negative things, sad things, bad things. We, I had one conversation with my dad. My, me and my dad did not have deep conversations about anything ever. Um, it was just and, superficial. Yeah. So I had one conversation with my dad. I mean, he always told me he loved me. There was no problem with showing emotion like that, like love and hugging and cuddling and, and happy emotions. They had no problem showing those. But anything negative, I, I never really saw my dad angry very many times in my life. Uh, like six months before he died, he uh, he said, he did say that he felt like maybe he should have pushed religion on his children more because he felt like we were all going to go to hell because we didn't believe none of us believe in God and that it was his fault that he failed us as a father, like the sins of the father kind of thing. And I just told him that, you know, my parents raised, my parents raised us to not be sheep because they were so paranoid about peer pressure, making us do drugs and stupid shit. They were like, you know, you know, be your own person. And I was like, you can't raise me to not be a sheep and then expect me to believe in those things. And I don't know how my brothers feel, but I I'm grateful that you did not force me into religion and you let me think for myself and make up my own mind. And that's really the deepest conversation we'd ever had ever about anything, uh, my entire life. Uh, and that was like right before he died, but yeah, no, he, he didn't, he didn't ever talk about being afraid of dying. He didn't talk about, um, 
yeah, he just, he didn't, he didn't want to talk. They, they don't want to talk. My parents have rose colored glasses. They don't want to talk about anything negative. Like I know, like my mom, I know her childhood growing up was really hard uh, just from the stories I know about it, but she's never discussed it in that context. So, you know, they just, they just, isn't it crazy how much they want to shelter us from having um, anything bad go on. And then once something bad does go on, they don't want to talk about it because then that means that it really did happen. Yeah, let's just, let's just, let's just, let's just Push not think about that. Let's think about positive things. Let's just, let's just not, there's no sense in thinking about those things. Let's just think about the happy things. There's no sense, there's no sense dwelling. That's a, there's no sense to, there's no reason to dwell on that. It's the past. It's over. Can't change it. Why dwell on it? That's my mom's, that's pretty much my parents' attitude. I talked to my so there was never any closure. No. So after your dad died, you really couldn't talk to your mom about your feelings that you had towards his death. It was like a silent um I couldn't talk about the process. negative feelings. Like I was really angry that my dad died because he didn't have to if he had taken care of himself. Um if he'd have just quit smoking and eaten better and done some exercise and taken his pills, he didn't have to be dead. Um, so I was really mad at him for being so selfish, you know, like, cause I have kids and, and I do think about how I need to take care of myself because I want to be alive for my children. And it's like, it did it. He just did it. He was just so, he's so selfish. Um, but we can't talk like that to my mom. My dad is, uh, he was a great loving, good guy, but he was a selfish person but we don't discuss that with my mom. We just talk about how wonderful he was and all the love and light and shit. Um, but mean, here's I the thing with every, with any relationship, with any situation, there has, there has to be dark because yeah. if there's no dark, then you can't see the light. Yeah. But yeah, we don't like my mom never, my, my mom, my mom, never understood like my depression or my anxiety or anything like that. And she would just be like, well, just, you just think so negative, just think positive. Like I can just positively think myself out of it. Um, but this whole pandemic thing has really helped because, um, especially with her understanding my anxiety, because she was saying that she goes to the grocery store now and is anxious when she never was anxious before. And she's just describing how she feels at the grocery store. And I'm like, mom, that's how I feel at the grocery store all the time, any day of the week. And so now it's like, like I went and spent way too much money at Walgreens to get groceries instead of going to Walmart. Cause it's small. There's hardly anybody in there. I can get in and out. Um, and, uh, cause, cause like grocery stores are overwhelming to me. Uh, sometimes with the, the, just the people and this, the lights and there's like the noises and I can hear like all the noises I can hear. Like this happened after I had a car wreck, uh, freshman year of high school. I totaled, I rolled a car and I got a really bad head injury and it changed my, it changed my personality and it made me way less patient and way more sensitive to like noises and just getting sensory overload. So like a Walmart on a busy day is like a fucking nightmare for me because it's just, there's so many people and they're so close and, and the, yeah, I can hear the beeping of the machines. I can hear the rattling of the, the, 
the plastic bags and children crying and, you know, phones beeping and uh, it's just so much. Uh, but I'm like that on a regular, just everyday visit to Walmart. So now it's like, I'm just like conscious of where everyone's hands are and where my hands are and I'm touching my face and not touching my face. And I'm just like, ah. And, uh, so yeah, I just avoid it as much as possible now, but she's like, I find I am, she's like, I can't imagine living like that every day with that level of anxiety all the time. I'm like, yeah, well now you get it. Now she understands. Uh, and you know, I've, I've just, I've kind of been just forcing my mom to hear the negative things so that she understands when I say I'm depressed, that it's, that I can't just think of myself out of it because like, uh, I got real, 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 I got fired from a job, like some shit, like the first three weeks of this pandemic on top of the pandemic, I had a breakup. I got a job and I got fired from the job. Uh, I lost comedy, you know, so a lot of things happened in like a two, three week period. So I just really got super depressed and I called my mom and I was crying and I told her, I was like, no, she's like giving me the whole, well, you know, your kids love you. You can't hurt, you know, don't kill yourself because they'd be, you'd ruin their lives and I'd be destroyed and all this other stuff. And I was like, mom, you know, but my brain is telling me that you, if you loved me enough, you'd let me go. Like, if you really loved me, you'd want me to stop being in pain and you'd let me go. Oh, you took it to a darker place. Yeah. And she was like, you really think that? And I was like, I do. I think that if you really, really love me, if I was in pain, like in a physical pain, if I had cancer and I was in pain, would you not want me to be out of that pain? And she's like, yeah, but this is different. I was like, it doesn't feel different to my brain, you know? And then I also told her that I tried to kill myself when I was 10. She didn't know that. And when I was 13, and she was like, I had no idea that 10 year olds thought that way, you know, that they would get to a place to where they would want to die. And I was like, I don't think most 10 year olds do, but I did. Um, but she didn't know. It's not like, I don't tell my mom those things. Cause I know like, I don't want her to, she'll feel guilty. You know what I mean? I don't want her to feel bad. Like somehow she failed me. She can't help it. I was just like, I, I think I was just born with a chemical imbalance in my brain. Honestly. No, you weren't. <clears throat> you had a couple near death experiences and it created an availability in your brain to see things differently than what you saw them as before. Yeah, but or it heightened the sense of what it is that you felt before. Even well, if it is about depression or like you were 10, when was your car accident? Oh, my, car accident ago, was in high ago? my car accident was in high school. And then my near death experience after I had my kid was when I was like 25. But yeah, I remember being depressed as a small child. Um, because your spirit was not able to be what it was. I think a lot of it had to do with just, like I was being bullied and I, people were mean to me. And I think like, I believe in like a lot of things I feel like, or like past life shit. Like that's why I'm saying. Like, yeah. do you think it's because of the fact that your soul can't do what it did before? Like that happens. Yeah, I don't know. I think like after this thing, I had to train myself. I had to train my thoughts. I had to train my uh, way of thinking I because like of the fact that you know. 
I was all of a sudden hearing spirit, sensing spirit, knowing vibrations, feeling energies. And it was really detrimental to me. Yeah. Like, I, why the fuck am I hearing Joe Schmo that died back in the 1800s? And why is he telling me about all his life? Like, why? And, Even or... If was 10, I could feel, like, the pain of the world. Yeah. So some days it feels like I can feel the entire pain of the entire world. And it's That's how come I constantly am grounding and yeah. clearing and sending love and light. Because... I, it can be so thin that it can be mistaken as my thoughts towards things or my feelings towards things. Yeah. Like someday I'll feel so much stress on my shoulders and I'm not stressed. And then I scan through my being and then I find out, oh, it isn't you being stressed. You just happen to be feeling it. Yeah. So I have to go through the processes of grounding that out, sending it to Mother Earth, the violet flame, or the crystalline core of Mother Earth, or to source, to where I'm sending it up and I'm sending it down, as above, so below. Yeah. And so then it's cleared from me, but I'm doing it with love and light. So that way it's transformed into the vibration of love instead of fear anxiousness depression sadness hurt pain I just wanted to help like i've been a healthy helper like it was it was squirrels and animals when i was a child uh that i wanted to help and i never could but uh so i had a squirrel graveyard so they would have which they would have a a final resting place and i gave the squirrels a name and i gave them a little popsicle stick cross uh, grave markers and I kept the graveyard clean and I would talk to them and they were my only friends were the dead squirrels I wanted live squirrels to be my friends but they wouldn't come over you know so <laughs> <laughs> but and then I'm like that about humans too I'm like that about it's it's a real bad thing for in the romantic realm because I end up just being used a lot because I just want to help people and I see the good in people that other people don't see the good in that may or may not be there. Wouldn't it be crazy if you felt that way towards yourself to where you wanted to help yourself and love yourself and be there for yourself the way that you were wanting to be there for others. And it's not selfish. Yeah. It's, it's, It's important that you see that you can love yourself that's you can be there for yourself that's where i'm getting at now since my kids were grown and i don't have them to focus on and i don't have a partner to focus on um i have comedy to focus on but um comedy has helped me do that comedy has helped me because i'm up there just talking about me and all my jokes are about me. So it's made me kind of focus on myself in a way that I never focused on myself before about the good things about me and the bad, because usually the bad are what people laugh at. But, um, but yeah, just it, it's really helped me be selfish and focus on myself because I don't necessarily feel as selfish because it's like, yeah, I abandoned my kids in Wichita, abandoned. They're grown. I mean, he was a senior in high school. I still feel kind of abandoning um, my youngest. But it's because there was this thing that was mine, you know? Comedy's mine. 
and no one can take it away from me and it's my thing and uh, it brings me so much joy and and goodness that 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 it's allowed me to be selfish probably for the first time in my life to be like because like if i get with somebody and they're they need too much help they're gonna drag me down what's that gonna do that's gonna affect my comedy you know it's gonna affect my ability if they're bumming me out and pissing me off all the time i'm not gonna be able to do comedy and i'm not gonna let somebody affect comedy and that's how i originally started thinking and now it's like I'm not going to let somebody do that to me just because I'm not going to let somebody do that to me. Um, but it started out as like, I wasn't going to let them hurt my comedy. And now I'm like, how about you just don't let them hurt you, Helen? How about you just don't let them hurt you? And so that's really how comedy has helped me severe, like majorly just the, the confidence of to be able to just walk away from anyone um, without like, like the guy, like the fact that I was able to break up with somebody in a pandemic is huge for me because I, I knew I was walking away from the only person I had the ability to have physical contact with, uh, no hugs. I knew that, you know, I was giving up my only ability to, to physically touch another human being until this is over. Um, but I didn't care because it was hurting me inside. So it didn't matter. And so, yeah. So like, yeah, old Helen would never, never have broken up with somebody in this situation. She would have dealt with whatever shit they took so that she could not be alone. Yeah. And now, and that's all due to comedy. It really is. I mean, it's me. I'm so glad to hear that. Like I'd rather you see your worth through what the gift of comedy has done for you yeah then allow yourself to be constantly abused emotionally psychologically yeah by a person that doesn't give a shit obviously they don't give a shit about themselves why the fuck would they give a shit about you well look at you giving a shit about you yeah what would you (laughs) i don't need them to give a shit about me because i give a shit about me that's right Cause I'm a comedian That's right. and I'm cool. Exactly. We got to love ourselves. I, I mean, I tend to not do jokes that are depressing because I don't like being depressed yeah. and I have the tendency to go down a rabbit hole because you know, we all have the availability to listen to the negative instead of the positive. Like I said, I had to do the whole switcheroo in my mind. Instead of thinking, you know, God, I don't have any fucking money for this bill. Like, what the fuck am I going to do? So instead of thinking that constantly, I go into the, I have more money than I'll ever need. And I keep saying that in my head as many times as it takes in order for me to no longer be thinking of the fact that I don't have the money. And then I start thinking of the fact that I do have the money. And then all of a sudden money becomes available. It's happened every time, every time. I'm just like, I have a similar process, but for me, it's like, I'll get stressed out about it. Like, how am I going to pay this bill? And I'm like, I'll do what I can obviously to make the money to pay the bill. But at the end of the day, I'm like, the universe is going to provide and I'll pay the bill. It's going to, you know, it'll happen. And uh, then it does. And so, yeah, just, just leaving myself open to, 
positivity instead right. of just like negative um, has been very helpful. But then I get, and now it's like, I'm super like my ex-husband. Uh, we started my last ex-husband. I have three, but my most recent ex-husband, um, he, um, was just such a negative person and such a just doomsday woe is me self-pitying person that successful yeah he had all he did have a lot of trauma and terrible things that had happened to him and i was just like i can't believe that you survived all this crap that happened to you and you can still be so stressed out about something so small like you survived so much you're gonna survive this you know and uh so i when I met him, I hadn't been doing comedy very long, maybe, maybe a year. Yeah. Like a little less than a year. Um, and just as I developed in comedy and got stronger and stronger, uh, as a person and developed my ability to look at things more positively, cause comedy helped me do that to be able to look at and find humor in bad situations. Um, the, the more I grew in that, the, the, less I wanted to be with him because he was just so negative and just dragging me down. Um, no matter how much I gave, it wasn't enough because he didn't have it in himself. You know what I mean? I couldn't, I could have, he was just taking and taking and then not giving anything back. And then I was just depleted and he was not going to be good for my comedy career. So I got divorced. Well, good for you. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I and now did. three exes later you're still doing comedy <laughs> man i've had several exes in the last year just like short like they don't like i don't even i i i don't even talk about all of them because the minute i start telling anybody about them it ends you know like how's your boyfriend oh that's it's over so like me and my friends don't even learn their names anymore we just they just make nicknames for them you know they don't really you're talking about <laughs> juggalos uh the last guy i dated uh before i went away on that trip and got stuck in missouri um i left the normal man that i enjoyed his company with right and i come back and somehow he at 35 had freshly discovered icp Ugh. and just was constantly playing icp and 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 talking about the juggalo stuff and i was like dude i was alive and conscious and an adult in 1993 <laughs> i knew about icp and the juggalos okay um who who gets into icp at 35 that's like starting smoking at 35. you're supposed to be young and stupid when you get into icp uh, you know what 35 year old grown-ass man becomes a juggle you know it's just your ex. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Um, and at first it was funny and at first it was cute. And at first I thought it was like, like he would, he, like he got like six different ICP, like sticker things he put on his car and he would take a picture and like was giving me shit. That was fun. That was funny that he was like sticking all these stickers on his car just to razz me. That was cool. I liked it. But then it was just like, he was always listening to them, even though he didn't know I didn't want to listen to him. It's like he was, raping my ears with ICP all the time. Like, why would you do, I would never, like he, I knew he didn't like country. What am I gonna do, just constantly play 
Garth Brooks from my phone. Like, and I, I told them ICP is not meant to be listened to on your phone, from your phone speaker in the first place. Oh my God. It was just obnoxious. It was just- Look at you dodging a bullet with that one. <laughs> the sex was really good though. Was it? It was. I mean- the the Sadly, the only, uh, we're talking about dating comedians, the only comedian I've dated here, um, like there was some in Wichita that I slept with before I moved away because I was like, I'm moving. And it was all bad. Their jokes are true. Their penises are small. Uh, they do come real fast. They're not yeah. just jokes. Um, so, Dude, I- those comedians are telling you that you need to stay the fuck away from them. Yeah, if they, I if- mean, nine times out of ten, comedians don't lie in their jokes. No, I know. You always, like, you know, maybe they are. And then, but this guy, um, the guy I was with here, he... Uh, his he had a maggot magic penis it was shaped just right it just hit the right spot every time it was like like 30 so why aren't you why aren't you doing that oh because he's a comic he's an idiot. <laughs> he's an idiot and he's not funny and i have no respect for him as a human do you I see do you, okay so just just real fast okay so i used to be a drywaller framer so I was in the union. I used to, you know, 1319, Carpintera, Orale, you know, all that shit, right? Man's world. Man's yeah. world. Okay? Man. Yeah. Once I started comedy, yeah, it's a, it's a man's world. But I traded the hammer for a fucking pencil. Yeah. And these pencils are full of emotion. And full of whiny, cry, oh my God, why is my man card bigger than your fucking man card? I don't even have balls and I'm a bigger man than you are, puto. Like seriously, like I couldn't get over the fact of how many whiny crybabies there are out there. And there are some that are just like so fucking cool, so fucking amazing, only at face value. Only at face value. I'm not even kidding you. Like nine times out of 10, they have a bigger vagina than I do. Men are so weak emotionally. Yes. Yes. And they're boys trying to play like they're men. How are they running? And their egos are bigger than their penis. And that's why they don't have a car. (laughs) They can't even afford a truck. (laughs) <laughs> or a pen they're always borrowing yours <laughs> so, I a, so i put a penis on top of mine you got like pen- this <laughs> i've been told i've been told by men that that i have bigger balls than them yeah me too like if i'm more of a man than you uh-uh. they've said it they've said it during fights they've said it they've said it like what did he say? This guy I was fighting with, he was like, fine, fine. You got bigger balls than me, you know, but I don't like balls. You know, he's like, basically, I don't want to be with someone who's got bigger balls than I do. And I was like, well, good luck. Maybe you should grow a pair. What I said. What, they haven't dropped yet? What, are you yeah. still going through puberty? 
Oh. Last guy I dated uh, in our in our final throwdown, he was he was like, because I roasted him, and then he got whiny about it, and then I I didn't just drop it. I was like, why are you getting so upset? You know, I I was trying to like get to the root cause of why he was getting so upset because I knew it wasn't me. I knew I had hit some sort of nerve or something. So I was just trying to like figure out what nerve I hit, you know, how am I supposed to not do something again? If I don't even know how what I triggered, doing. like what triggered right. you, you know, what, what, how did I trigger you so I could not trigger you again? And, um, it just turned into a nightmare. And he was like, I told you, I didn't want to talk about it, but you just kept talking about it. And I said, well, if you're looking to date somebody, who is just going to shut the fuck up when you tell him you're with the wrong bitch. Okay. <laughs> like that ain't me. <laughs> yeah. I don't. And then I had an ex, my ex Caden who we're friends now. We were terrible together, but we're great friends. Uh, but he used to say to me that my parents never taught me when to shut the fuck up. And I was like, that's right. They did not teach me when to shut the fuck up. You know what else? My daddy didn't teach me. He, he, he did. He taught me not to take shit from some stupid fucking man. That's what my dad taught me, you know, and how to do a proper handshake. Um, right, dude. My dad did it, you know. My dad, my dad just, my dad related to my brothers and me in the same ways. Like he had the same, you know, he didn't treat me different because I was, I mean, he treated me different because I was his baby girl or whatever. So he was a little more like delicate with me and like um, huggy and stuff. But, um, but as far as like life lessons or anything he tried to impart on me, it was the same things he taught my brother. He tried to get me to roof and do physical, like, cause he was roofers as what I come from. That's why he was gone all the time. He was always gone working. He tried to get me cause my aunt was a roofer. She was, she could, she could, she was good. Um, but I was lazy and that didn't work. <laughs> so um, I worked in the office, but he, uh, he tried to, you know, he, he tried to instill in me, like he taught me, he, I remember him teaching me how to shake a hand, like, so that I wouldn't have a wussy handshake. And now I shake people's hands and it intimidates them. Like I'll intimidate men just by shaking their hand. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, geez. <laughs> you know, like that's a real handshake you got there. I'm a delicate <laughs> fucking flower, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I shake hands. I hate a like a floppy. floppy. Yeah, like a hair dainty one. Like I ain't wanting you to kiss my ring. Get the fuck off me. Floppy fish handshake makes me queasy. And And chicks that don't know how to shake hands properly. That's another thing. I'm just like, I'll just elbow you. How about we just elbow? We good. Yeah, I taught my, I taught, if nothing else, being a comedian will teach you how to shake a hand. Because you do it. Yeah. At least in normal times. You're shaking Sometimes. on the way up and you're shaking on the way down a lot of times. Yeah. But mostly depends on the person. Yeah. I'm just gonna start hugging everybody. Fuck uh, good luck after this coronavirus hugging everybody. <laughs> when it's over and it's safe again, I'm just gonna hug everybody when they come on stage. I no more of this handshake shit. Give me a hug. Bring it in. Bring it in. Bring Bring it all in. in. Give me. I'll wrap my leg around you. Just Just spider monkey monkey everybody. And I wasn't used. I didn't didn't used to be a hugger. Um, And then uh, my friend Heath died um, suddenly. 
he was, he had high blood pressure and a brain aneurysm and, and he died. He was only like 38 and he was a hugger and I would hug him and I would hug some of my close friends, but I was not, my friends used to give me shit like they were going to make me a hugger. Um, but then when Heath died, I just, I just wanted to hug everybody because I was like, I wish I could hug him again, you know, and I can't, and now he's gone. And it, now I just want to hug everybody just in case. It's the last that makes thing sense. And I tell people Maybe I he, love him. He left a part of him and you. He did. Oh, what's to give really, you that extra umph. What's really fucked up, right? Okay, Heath was in the hospital. Um, he was uh, in a coma or whatever. He wasn't dead yet for like, I think he was there for like three or four days. And so I, I was in Kansas at this point. He lived here and my friends here were kind of like giving me news about him. Um, but I went outside, I smoked cigarettes at the time. I went outside to smoke a cigarette. I left my phone inside. And when I came back in, um, on my front porch was the wrapper of a Heath, uh, ice cream bar. It's a Heath. Oh, wow. Name. And I picked it up. Wow. And when I went inside, I had a message from my friend that he had passed. And I was like, Oh my God. So I still have that Heath wrapper. You still have him. Yeah. And we weren't even friends for that long, but it's like, it when don't I, matter when I connect you with guys people, made an impact. You were a, yeah. were a kindred spirit with yeah. him. I connect like with you guys people. had some sort of past life interaction prior to this one. That's yeah. a commit. It seemed like you guys were so like two peas in a pod, like instantaneously. It wasn't yeah. like, it, was. it wasn't like a forced friendship or a forced conversation. It was just like you picked up. Yeah. Like nothing had no time had passed. I'm like that with, I, I have a few friends in my life that I'm like that with like Sarah Hake. You know who she is? Yeah. Yeah. She moved to, she moved she's, to Albuquerque. She's back for now. She's coming back. She's, she's visit. She's staying at Oren's uh, apartment while he, he went back East to be with his mom and sister. Um, Cause he's a good boy. And um, <laughs> I got a huge crush on Oren. He knows it though. Um, Oren? Yeah. Oren that runs the Irish Rover mic on Mondays. Oren Belinsky. Owen? Oren. O-R-I-N. He works at Irish Rover. He's an, he's a goofball, but he's a sweetheart and he's a <laughs> boy and he loves Well, him. cool. I'm glad that she came back. But yeah, she's back for now. Um, and then she's going to move back when things... I've been trying to talk her to move back since it happened, but she was trying to stay out there for a year. But now with this shit, the whole reason she went out there is gone for the most part at now. And comedy. Well, uh, she's into films. She went to school and uh, Netflix is opening or is supposed to be opening their new production facility in Albuquerque, but everything's been put on fucking hold now and it's all fucking crazy. So um, she needs to be here. She doesn't need to be there. Uh, <laughs> I'm just being selfish though. Um, but then I have my friend Brooke in Omaha that immediately we were, we were connected, uh, like that. I had a friend that I waited tables with for a couple months, uh, Teresa, who died suddenly of a diabetic coma. She had been drinking. She was only like 30, I think she was like 33. She was, uh, been drinking a lot and then quit drinking, like didn't taper off or anything, just quit. And it like sent her into a diabetic coma. Shock. Yeah. And she just died um, out of nowhere. 
Um, and we'd only been friends for a couple months, but it's just like one of those things where you're like automatically connected with somebody. Um, and so I do that with a, not very many people in my life, maybe a handful of people. But when I make a friend, like, like I have friends. If I say somebody's my friend, then they're my friend. And then I have like, I'll say like comedy friend. Like I have comedy friends that are my friends, but whether I'll know I learned that one right fast too. Yeah. Whether I'm going to know them in 10 years or not, I don't know. But like, I'm going to know Brooke in a decade. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to know these people. They're going to be my friends still. Um, when shit goes down, who do I want to talk to? When something really good happens, who do I want to talk to? Those are my friends. Uh, oh, yeah. And I do have... That's my daughter. <laughs> uh, I tried to... I have a couple of... I have, like, maybe a handful of people. Yeah, me too. Um, that I chat with and that I keep in contact with or that I touch base with just to see how they're doing. Yeah. Um, but not very many. Not very many. I don't have very many either. And, uh, at a at a young age that people don't give a shit mm-hmm. and uh, you want them to, you want them to love the shit out of you. <laughs> um, I love everybody. Well, yeah, you but know? here's the thing, you know, you're the people that you could be genuine with are the people that are the ones that are supposed to be in your life. Yeah. People that you have to put a front up in front of, like a lot of comedians, like they ask you how you're doing. And instead of saying, oh, this is going on, that's going on. You just go into the, oh, yeah, I totally got booked for this show. Or, uh, I don't do yeah, that. I totally am going to go back and do another open mic. It's very superficial. Somebody asked me and, how I'm doing. They're going to find out how I'm doing that day. I, uh, I, don't, I used to have multiple people that I was. Uh, you know, I was, I, there was a Helen that was with my parents. There was a Helen that was with my friends. There was a Helen that was with my boyfriend. There was a Helen at work, you know, like as a teenager, I have like all these different Helen versions of me, um, uh, that I would be depending upon who I was with because I wanted to be whatever version they liked the most. Um, and so, you know, and then I was a mom which was a whole nother version of me. And you kind of have to do that. I couldn't, I couldn't just straight up be myself with a three-year-old. You know what I mean? You, you can't just start. I mean, they're straight up themselves with you. Shoot. I know, but I can't just scream at them when they piss me off and tell them what no, I really think of them. I mean. Not without, not without damage. I mean, you can. You can <laughs> do whatever you want, but not without ramifications that I didn't want right. to deal with later, like them killing me in my sleep. Um, but you know, but now I'm just, and especially now that my kids are grown and they are now starting to really get to know the real me, uh, like it started right before I moved. Um, cause I like, I like hid my mental illness from my kids pretty well, most of their lives. Uh, and then they started to see it before I moved away. And my son was like, really worried. And I was like, this is how I've always been, Caleb. It's just, you never saw it before, you know? And, uh, he's like, well, you did a good job of hiding it. I'm like, I know you're welcome. Um, but now my kids are getting to know me as a person. Another thing comedy has really helped me is to figure out which version 
of me is me. And, you know, every version of me has some of me in it. But, like, which parts of those people really is who I am? Um, and so, and I'm still learning, you know, I'm still discovering who I am every, every, not every day, but, you know, like. I think we all are. I, it's just called being a human. Some people aren't open. Some people are not open to learning. Oh, I know it. About themselves. <laughs> That's how come I. So there's. It's always better to uh, show people a smile than to really let them know what I'm feeling or really let them know what I'm seeing, sensing, knowing about them. So I just, I just keep it friendly and keep it simple. If I give a shit about you or if I really am feeling something or if something's really nagging at me that I need to tell you, then I will ask your permission to let you know whether or not it's there. Yeah. But that doesn't happen very often. So a lot of people in the comedy world just found out this past year that <clears throat> people call me the comedian. Comedian. Yeah. Yeah. Because. Yeah. You should totally lean into that. I mean, as much as you can without dancing. I've been trying to more so this, this past, um, I guess it's been about six, seven months. It's a unique voice. And uh, for all you know, there are people out there like you who are not comfortable telling people they're hearing or feeling these things or they think they're going crazy, you know? Um, well, and th that's what's so cool about it. And I appreciate you recognizing it because those that do sense that within me will come to me and talk to me yeah. about it. I've had um, people that were comics that came to me and told me about their situation and instantaneously I was able to help them. Yeah. Or um, people that knew, like, I don't know if you've seen my content on my Facebook, but I'll totally like um, go out there and I'll throw out spirituality stuff. Yeah. But when I'm in person with them, unless they want to know, I won't bring it up. Yeah. Or unless I just start puking around them. And then yeah. I have to bring it up. If, something super, if they're like, what's wrong with you? Well. Yeah, people don't ask me what's wrong with me. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that it's, it's very superficial in the comedy world. There's a few people that will get to know another person. I think And that, be genuine about it. And then there's certain people that don't give a fuck. I think like unless that, you're doing something for them, they don't okay. care. No, yeah, that's totally how it is. Um, and the joke's on them because, especially like when you start booking shows, suddenly yeah. all these people come out of the woodwork and all of a sudden they want to be yeah. your best friend. Um, with things, and then they hope that they're going to get something out of it. Like, I'm definitely not posting this part of it, but I have a friend who he wrote some um, press releases for me for my nonprofit. And I like the guy personally, but I really don't think he's very talented as a comedian. He's a super nice guy. He's not funny. Um, he doesn't, yeah. I think like, I don't even think he really has a lot of potential to be funny, honestly, even no matter how hard he works at it. Not to a level that I'd want to book him on my show. And so 
uh, he was like, well, you know, I was just thinking maybe when you do a show, you could like throw me 15 minutes or something. I was like, I'd rather pay you. I'd rather just go ahead and pay you and not owe you anything. You know, I tried to do it like nicely, but yeah, I was like, I just don't, I don't like owing people anything. Like maybe I'll put you on a show someday. We'll see. I work with a lot of females though. So, you know, and I was like, just really tried to get out of it. I was like, no, I'll pay you. Uh, see, that's what's so cool about running a female show. Like the show that I run, um, actually some really cool shit's going on with that. And I'm going to be getting into a bigger venue oh, yeah. and I'll have the availability to hopefully, hopefully fingers crossed. Uh, it's like a 300 person venue. Holy shit. So, and it kind of just fell into my lap and I'm super jazzed about it and I just want females. Like I will still throw in that male token just yeah. for, you know, to break up the monotony. Yeah. But well, I my prefer art, to have females. Yeah. Than my, art comedy else. Show, my art of comedy showcase is not showcased as a female showcase because, um, but it is like I let Kyle do five minutes before the one I've gotten to do because he works the door and he's a good kid and he's funny. Um, I would I brought him to Wyoming with me to host a show and we rode in the car five miles there and back. And Kyle who? Kyle Lala Lala birthday. Lala. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's a cool kid. He's a nice boy. He's twenty eight. He's not really a kid. I he's but he's a kid to me. But um, I have like a motherly instinct about some of these comedians I feel like a motherly thing towards him like um some of the younger comedians I feel like not motherly um towards them but <laughs> you know I I I can't I can't I don't even know why I'm not attracted to Kyle in that way but like the, I just feel motherly towards him because he's a good that's a lot kid. <laughs> no, just he's a good looking kid but I don't think about him like that and there are comedians his age and younger that I do think about like that, but I don't think about him like that. Um, and so, uh, what was I going? Oh, I let him do like five minutes, but it was all females. And so that's what I'm just booking it like that to where it's like, I'm not, Hey, come to my all female show. Um, because I, because at some point I just want no one bats an eye when it's all dudes. It's just, you know, like, uh, it's just the way no one's like, it's a special all dude show. So like, I want it to just be normal that there's. Yeah. No. It. And that's what I do. Like yeah. the whole slinging jokes at the coast. I don't say yeah. that it's an all female event. Yeah. I it just is. It just is. Yeah. Yeah. Cause. Uh, and thing. you know what? I've actually had issues um, with some male comedians that wanted to headline my show and I had to tell them, look, but I'll give you 15 minutes, but you're not headlining. Mm -mm, you can have and it's not that I don't think that you can headline. It's not that at all. Yeah. It's that I'm giving a platform mm -hmm. for females to be able to have that availability to headline. Yeah. Because a lot of times we get pushed the fuck aside. Yeah. Because, because we're not male. Mm -hmm. And that's one of my concerns about dating a comedian is that I don't want to end up being some comedian's girlfriend or 
I don't want to be on a show and people think that I'm on that show because my boyfriend got me on the show or that, you know, so oh, do just real fast. Is it cool? Just sidebar. Is it cool if I smoke a bowl? I don't care. Okay. Just during our conversation. Yeah. So that way I'm not like breaking the law. No, you're fine. Uh, yeah. I don't want to end up being some comedian's girlfriend uh, and living in that shadow. Yeah. Uh, although. Or, or like the whole fact that, you know, the only reason why you got in the show is because you're fucking him. Yeah. Or I, the only reason why you're at the show is because the fact that you're fucking him. Yeah. Or the only reason why you're allowed to be in this group of people is because of the fact that you're fucking this comic. Yeah. I don't want to. And I see a lot of examples of strong comedy couples in this scene where the women are crushing. Um, you know, the women are, you know, equal, if not better than their male partners. Um, and they're, they're, they're very lucky. Some yeah. Um, but there's a lot uh, of examples of strong comedy couples in this scene that are doing it well. So it gives me hope. And, and good, good for them. Good <laughs> for them. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that it doesn't work. It just doesn't work for me. I because... haven't tried it enough. And I'm not, I don't, I'm not seeking it out, but I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I'm leaving myself open to whatever the universe brings me. Uh, I mean, and if, if the next great love of my life is a comic, they're a comic, I'm not going to fight it or not date them because they're a comic, but I'm not out there like, act. I mean, I am in my head actively trying, like I have crushes on comics and I will work is this some new material I'm working on? I will go, I will get a crush on a comic because uh, usually I see them on stage and they're really funny. That's how it starts. And then I start noticing them off stage and I will just really pay attention to their behavior and how they talk to people. I'll investigate them. Some people call it stalking, but I don't go. It's really easy to stalk a comic. You always know where they are. They're at the same mics as me. I'm not going anywhere because they're, well, okay, yeah, that's not true. I will go to a <laughs> show and watch them do comedy. Uh, but I wanted to go to the show anyway. You know, it's just a bonus that they happen to be on it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but then, you know, there's all this content they put out. They put out videos. They're on podcasts. There's so much information available for me to investigate them before I even ask them out or think about asking them out and I will break up with them without them ever knowing we were dating. That's, there's so many comics in this scene that I have done. So you, so you have uh, a lot of uh, secret lovers. Yes. I will investigate them and then something <laughs> happens in those investigations that show me that we're not compatible and that I shouldn't be with them. And then I, I move on. And I don't, I don't crush on them anymore. And I'm like over it. I've done that to a lot. I ain't gonna lie. I've had crushes on comics too. But I will work but... myself through the whole relationship. <laughs> and they don't even know it. Like, I'll hear them say something on a podcast or tell a joke. And I'm like, oh, I don't like that. I don't want to date somebody that would say shit like that. You know what I mean? And I just, or they'll, you know, they'll, they'll reveal something about their personality or, or like how they 
treat women in or how they are in relationships. Like if they start talking about relationships on a podcast and they're like, yeah, I'm the kind of person that really needs to spend a lot of time alone. And I'm like, I'm out. Um, I can't be with somebody that needs to spend a lot of time alone. Uh, so, you know, unless it's alone time with me, unless it's alone <laughs> with me. Yes. And so, right. I, so I break up with them. In the head. <laughs> And that's, that's the joke. And it's really mostly going to work at Mike's where there's a lot of community. But it totally works. It's yeah, funny. Like I agree. Guys, you don't know how many of you have. It's basically like, look, the premise of this is going to be basically like, you don't like, too bad for them that they don't get to be with me because they fucked up, you know? <laughs> I haven't figured Way to fuck up it. without even knowing that you yeah. were trying. How many... <laughs> You don't even know how many of you people have fucked up and missed out on this, okay? <laughs> I've broken up with That's several cute. of you. Uh, That's cute. <laughs> yeah, I do that. I have crushes on uh, some, like Pete Holmes. I think him and I. And then Pete Holmes, uh, he's like a big comedian. Do you know who Pete Holmes is? Uh, he's super funny. Look him up. Nice guy. One of the good ones. But he got married, which made me sad. But then I looked at his wife, and she's a she's a bigger girl, and we have kind of. Oh, and you were like, sure, that would have been a potential. You like them big girls? I'd been good to you. I would have cooked you food. Like, I mean, let me know when you divorce, but sure. Yeah. Yeah, now I just gotta wait, um, for them to for his relationship yeah. to deteriorate, and then I'll have a chance. <laughs> um, you know the whole big girl thing. So I've gained a lot of weight since I started comedy. Um, and it didn't have anything to do with comedy at all. It just, I have gained weight. Yeah. And I know it, ever, especially after I quit smoking cigarettes. Like well, I totally you like, you gained eight like, years ago, so you were like 30 something. And now, you know, shit just fucking, when you hit 40. Yeah, no, ser- like uh, I've great, I've raised my kid, got gained a grandkid. Um, you know, coronavirus, either way, it, it works out. I, I still got that, you know, voluptuousness that I came with. It's just more. It's just yeah. more. It's no big deal. Sure. Um, but I've noticed what? I love the <laughs> curves. That's what they always say. <laughs> I'm like, shoot, get up on it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <clears throat> just the curves. Not either way. Um, because they, they twist and turn and get windy. But at the same time, I've noticed there's a lot of chubby chasers out there. And oh, I didn't realize the amount. Like It is. And I think that... I think it's like a mindset. Well, I, don't, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. Like, it's a science fair project that I have going on. You know, the human interaction. there. Um... I've never been skinny. I probably, I'm the, I'm the biggest now I've ever been, but I've never been skinny by any means. So I've always been thicker. Um, but I think that, that as we're empowering women to be whoever they are naturally, it's also empowering men to be okay admitting that they like that. Um, and right. so like Lizzo and stuff is, you know, and things, people like her are really, really making it okay for them and not like, uh, you know, because it used to be like when I was in high school that they would, 
people would give you shit for dating a fat chick. You know what I mean? And, and it was like this whole thing and now it's okay. But at this point that it's so okay that it's not that big a deal that you're into me for being fat. You know what I mean? Like, um, they come, the, the, uh, online dating, they come at you all the time with, uh, I love your curves and uh, I like big girls. And it just makes me think of like uh, Hannibal Lecter or like uh, Silence of the Lambs when he wants to make a skin <laughs> suit. So he picks fat chicks and then he, he makes them lose weight so their skin's looser and he can make a skin because you have more skin when you're fat. And so that's, what, that's immediately what I think of when someone's like, I love your curves. And um, I told a man once, I was like, it's not, it's no big deal anymore that you're into big girls. Okay, Lizzo ruined all that for you. Sorry, buddy. It's no big deal. So you're going to have to find a new angle. And I think a lot of men also think that women that are bigger have lower self-esteem and are going to just be so That's grateful. True. Just, I'm so grateful that someone finds I I, I got to tell you something now that you bring that up. So this is another reason why I don't date comics. So it kind of relates. Um, so there was this comic that uh, used to come to Fort Collins and do a show at the East Coast before I did the show at the East Coast. I actually started at the East Coast as far as the first showcase that I was in. Anyways, fast forward. There was this comic that was a Denver comic that a lot of people knew. And I was trying to get to know all comics like throughout Colorado because that's what you do. Yeah. Um, but I took him back to his car after he had gotten a ride from Denver and got dropped off or whatever. And like, whatever, either way I took him back and he wanted me to give him head. And I was like, motherfucker, I ain't giving you head. Shoot. I, if anything, you should be giving me money for bringing your ass out of my way to your car. And he's like, oh, well, I figured since you're a big girl that you, you know, I'm like, the what? That I don't have potential to get a better man than your ass? Shoot, that's fucked that up. That like, are you for real thinking that I'm going to dumb myself down to give you head because I'm a big girl and that I don't deserve better than your ass? Hell no, get the fuck out of my car. He took it to the stage, though. He took it to the stage that I wasn't going to give him head and that I should have because I was a big girl and I should just, you know, take what I'm given. But he, like, obviously didn't name you, but you knew it was about you? It was at me. Yeah, but you knew it, but everyone else didn't. Like, he didn't, like, be like, Rosa didn't give me head. No, he didn't say my name. A big girl. He went there, did it, and then bounced, like, right after. I need to send you to a link of me going off on a comedian at an open mic in Wichita because first of all, he's not a, he's a pretty big kid too. Um, he's just an idiot and was saying some stupid shit to make his friends laugh. But before I went up and he didn't know I was after him, but before I went up, he made a joke about how all that's left to fuck are fat girls or something, but how that was good. Cause they're always willing or something along those lines. And I went up after and just fucking roasted the fuck out of him uh, and just really tore into him in a very, good, very funny way. It's hilarious. It was great. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, there is, there is, 
yeah, I don't know what it is. They think, and I just told, that's over, man. That's over. Lizzo, I always say, Lizzo ruined that for you, buddy. So, you know, fuck off. I do, but Missy Elliott was there oh, before yeah. with Big Booty Judy, you yeah. know, and I feel like I wasn't always a big girl, but for like the most part I was because I was always tall and larger than the average stick over there. Miss, um, Missy Elliott's big and she's good looking, but she's still kind of masculine in a, like a rapper way, whereas Lizzo's very feminine, feminine. and yeah. large. Um, and so I see, I see that. Yeah. I see that. And so, but yeah, it's 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 no big deal anymore it's it's not it doesn't make you special because you like girls that are fat it it, it doesn't right matter. it's not spe it's not special anymore and they still think it is they still think they're some sort of fetishy special thing and <laughs> well you've been out in the dating world a lot more than i have yeah to be honest to be 100 uh my longest relationship was two and a half years and that, that was, was six years ago Ever. 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 Mine's a five. And um, a Before that was always three and a half. And I wasn't even like, a sperm donor guy after. Like now it's like um, what? Now I I don't last weeks with people. The 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 guy that I dated for we dated for maybe two months, two and a half, but he was out of town for a week of it, and I was out of town for two weeks of it. And we were only seeing each other once or twice a week. So um, if we'd have seen each other a lot, if we'd have been seeing each other a lot, like I normally do when I date somebody, I normally see them a lot. It would have been over in like three weeks. Um, really? Yeah, they, I don't, I think the longest I've had in recent time is like six weeks. Um, yeah. Right on, well go on with your dating ass. <laughs> I just get it. I just get out. <laughs> well, that's uh I get different. in. I, I get in, I get about five, ten minutes of material, and then I break up with them. And then you get the fuck out. <laughs> I get the fuck out. Um, no, they just they just reveal themselves to me and I'm like, ooh, I don't like that person, and I leave. It's just because I have I really I I I know what I want, you know, and I know what I offer. That's the thing I don't think a lot of people spend time thinking about, especially men. Uh, they don't spend a lot of time thinking about what they're going to offer somebody in a relationship. They can tell you what they want from somebody, but a lot of people can't tell you what they're going to offer. Like, what are you bringing to the table? What are you going to, what can you, what needs of mine can you provide for? And uh, so I've spent, I, I think about things a lot. I, I do a lot of thinking, just thinking, thinking. My mind is never not thinking. And so I do really analyze my relationships. And I, I, so like now it's like each relationship I have, there are certain aspects of that relationship that I did enjoy. And so I'm like, well, I did like this part of him. So I want, I do want someone that has this part. So I'm like piecing together what it is that I want by dating because it's like, I really like the way this guy listened to me. I really like the way me and this guy were able to talk and laugh. I really like the way this guy handles my meltdowns when I'm having, you know, anxiety and stuff. And so it's like, but they don't have 
enough other things. They just are really good at this one particular thing. Uh, and then, which is not enough to keep me around. So I just leave. I just weed out guys within the first conversation that I have with them. I do a lot of that too. So nine times out of 10, like if I'm at the bar and they're just laying it on thick, I'm just like, dude, you don't, you know, you don't need to lay it on that thick. Just talk like, to me. I was born in the morning, but not this morning. Yeah. So I know that you're trying to get into my goodies. Also, like, uh, I don't think, I don't think I want I you think, in my goodies. Like, how old do you think I am that I'm going to fall for that line? You know what I mean? Right. You think, they always think they got the most, it's the same thing with male comedians. They always think that their stupid joke about 9-11 is going to be the one. It's going to be the funny joke. You know, no matter how many dudes they saw bomb on 9-11 jokes before them, they think they're 9-11 joke. They'll still say it. You know, if I, if I have a premise for a joke and someone before me does the same premise, whether it was funny or not, I abandon that premise, at least for that mic. I'm not going to get up there and say the same damn joke in different words. Uh, but they'll do it. There'll be nine comedians and 10 comedians in a row with 9-11 jokes one time. Uh, Cause there was a mic in Wichita on 9-11. It was me and 17 white guys. <laughs> the worst mic I've ever been to in my life. And it was a bucket system. So I had no idea when I was going up. So I had to be in there for all of it. Yeah. And they did. There was, I counted them. There were nine 9-11 jokes in a row and every single one of them thought that theirs was going to be funny and none of them were. The only 9-11 joke that was always the 10th comedian made a joke about the nine comedians making jokes and that was funny. But <laughs> I think it's funny when a comedian tries to fucking hit on me and then I tell him, you know, I'd like to get to know you as a person, but I don't date comedians. And then they stop talking to me. Here's what I do. Like, oh, too bad. But no, I get it. Like, do you get it though? Like, if you wanted to be in my fucking life, you'd continue to be in my life. I spell it out for them. I'm like, I'm like, uh, I don't really get hit on by comedians, but just anybody that hits on me in general. Um, I'm like, you don't, you don't want to fuck with me. You know what I mean? If you're just if you're just out to have a good time and you're trying to fuck around, I'm not the one you want to fuck with because I'll catch feelings for you and then and then I'll get petty when you don't feel back. Um, and I'll do it and I'll get petty and I'll be a bitch. And do you really want that? You know, you really want that for the chance to get laid? I don't think so. You know, so yeah, you don't want you don't want to fuck with this. Um, yeah, I. Uh, what was it I told that guy? I like to just tell him like immediately that I love him. <laughs> That's a way to weed him out. Oh, shoot. Just when I don't care. I'm just like, I can't have sex with you because I already feel so strongly about you. I already like you so much. If we have sex, I'm going to fall in love with you. <laughs> yeah, that'll get him running. Real fast. Out to the liquor store without a liquor problem and then let loose. I've told dudes online that I've never met in person just because I like to fuck with people. Like I get bored and I'm just like, I don't know. I already like you so much just from our chatting. <laughs> and then it's like, they're gone. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, nice. 
I really just like, I like to gas, I like to gaslight male comedians in person and okay. online. Okay. It's really easy. You just tell them not to get their panties in a bunch. Oh yeah, most definitely. Any way to fuck with their ego, they're gone. Any, any sort of. And they're a whole bunch of yorons. Feminizing of them at all they are immediately offended. Of course. Of course. Even though they're more feminine than you are. Yeah. Or one thing I like to do that I miss doing at open mics. I didn't do it a lot, but it it is fun to do. I like to get two uh, young comedians because old comedians, old guys won't fall for this, but you know, two kids in their twenties. And then I will literally make them wrestle. Like not like in a violent, angry way, but in a like, you know, kids wrestling around way. And all you have to do is be like, yeah, uh, I think, I think uh, Jason could totally take David. And then they're like, <laughs> oh, and then they just, they're wrestling, trying to, or at least arm wrestling. They're doing something to try to prove that they're Their ego and their pride all yeah. in one. I just sit back and I'm like, Anthony Crawford caught me doing it once. He's like, I saw what you did there. <laughs> I was like, but look, it was so easy, man. And I once made a male comedian. I didn't make him, but you know, uh, he, he drank a bowl of uh, what turned out to be brown gravy off of a plate that was at the Irish Rover mic. Cause we were trying, we were high. And we were all trying to decide if it was all like odd juice for like a, a sandwich Aju, yeah. Aju, or if it was a, or if it was a, gravy or soup and he stuck his finger in it and he was like i still can't tell i was like just drink it man just drink it and he just drank it you fucking idiots <laughs> not get me to do anything i don't want to do i don't bow to peer pressure i was raised not really not to bow to peer pressure i don't bow to in fact the more people try to get me to do shit the less like this like just like this tiger king thing right i didn't watch it because I was like, so many people were watching it. They were posting about it. And I was like, oh, I don't even want to watch it. Because so many people are like, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. But you watched it. I did watch it. Um, <laughs> because the guy I was dating watched it. And it was on. And he was like, you want to watch Tiger King? And I was sure. like, sure. And then I was like, oh, my God. Everyone must watch this. <laughs> Yeah, it's like you. It's like a fucking uh, accident. You don't want to stop looking know, at. Like, you're gawking at it. Like really? And then you learn that Carol Baskin fucking killed his her man. And then it's my daughter always answers the phone now. She's like, "Hey there, Carols and cats and yes, kittens. kittens. I'm over here around the kitty kitty meow meow lake." I'm like, Drayden, seriously? Like that's the only way you're gonna address me now? The thing that so, really got me was the whole Carol and blow up doll thing. And then when he like, just like without hesitation was just like, bam, and shot her. I was like, <laughs> now, like he's being broadcasted on the internet. Like no wonder he's he in has jail. Fans. He has fans and people that fucking redneck hillbilly. You motherfucking Billy. I grew up like, in And then when I heard that Travis died, I was like, for this? Like, I felt so bad for him. Like, seriously. Either way. Either way. That poor guy that saw that guy shoot himself. He, All right. They, did you watch the last follow-up episode? 
No. Oh, there's a new one. You got to watch it. It's a, it's just kind of a follow-up done by, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the, the guy that's doing it, but he just interviews some of them after it. And he interviewed that guy that did his campaign and was there when that kid shot himself. And he's like, you know, I need, when this COVID thing's over, I need to go get some mental help. Like, you know, he's like, nobody offered me any therapy. Nobody thought to. Because nobody gave a shit about yeah. fucking anybody else. I had to go in that and office. Then I saw this TikTok that said uh, something about how nobody's talking about the fact that that other dude that raises lions or fucking um, pubs and then kills them off, the cult leader. Yeah. That fucking has his chicks living on fucking site. Yeah. Getting them new bo- new boobs and then fucking trying to kill them as soon as the cubs aren't cuddly and they're all fat as hell. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. I have a friend that was in Scientology for like 27 years. And uh, that's a I- cult. Yeah, it is. And he's, he's, he, that's basically what he's devoted his life to now is like telling everybody about how much they suck in a short, like he does it in an intelligent way better than that. But, um, so but yeah. like Leah Remedy, like him and Leah Remedy are homies. Yeah. He wrote it. Well, he wishes. No, he's not quite at that level, but he does support himself on it. He has like a, a podcast video cast thing. He wrote a book, um, but he was in it for 27 years. He got really high up. So he knows a lot of stuff. Um, and he knows it, like, she knows it, but she knows it from, like, a, it's still different for celebrities than it was for a regular person. Like, he went, like, he got put in basically, like, Scientology jail for years and was abused. Yeah, where they have to uh, yeah, do, like, what is it, yard work and, like, manual labor? Slave. Or, like, from dusk until dawn or dawn yep. until dusk like and the guy in lion and tiger king he does with his women yeah yeah just working yeah. all the time and then not able to have any human contact with not even like your co cult partners yeah. you could they could, scientologists can have relationships with their scientologists just not anyone outside of but not when they're in confinement Oh, not when they're in confinement, no. When they're in confinement, and confinement can last anywhere from a month to years. Three yeah. years. Yeah, years. no, and, oh, girl, I've researched a lot of religion. Yeah. And I did it because of the fact that, you know, the whole spiritual journey. What time is it? Oh, it's 4.05. Yeah, I got a fucking interview, Katie Bowman. Not that I'm not. Oh, shoot. That sounded bad. I'm happy to be in Oh, no, no, no. No, it didn't. I know. But at the same time, she's cool. Tell her I said what's up. I'm excited. It was good chatting with you. Thanks for touching all the bases. I feel like human contact, even though it's via, hey, look at your face over there all over there with your good goods. Yeah. Um, I love your tapestry, by the way. (laughs) It's one of the only things that I have that and I have... A map of the United States on my wall. Uh, nice. To plan tours that I can't go on now. Um, hey, was, it's but, just for right now. Gonna Everything's going to work out. You put pins in it so I can, like, like each year is going to have a different color of a pin. So I can be like, I went here in 2020. And- oh, look at you. You're planning it. It's going to happen. Manifest that shit. I like color coding. 
Well, you know, maybe, um, maybe we can do something again after all this is over and sure. have a conversation yeah. that will last however long it needs to without, you know, I'll see if scheduled. you're on my list uh, for the festival. And if you're not, I'll send you the form so I can get your info. I think I did that already, but I think I lost it. it. I lost it. And it needs to be redone. So. I know. And I think that I sent a video to or something. Oh. Um, I'll send a new video and well, just like give whole, me the information. Yeah. There's a whole form I need if I don't have it, but we'll see. Okay. All right. Yeah. Go, go research that up and let me know. And I'm down to do whatever. And thanks for, uh, the, the hangout sesh. 